Oh man, I want to do this for real. Why does it have to be a test? It's a movie that you care about, so I know you're going to take it serious, so you have to do the notes for it, but it's never going to get released. Okay, well, you see, these three yahoos go into this library basement. Ah! Ooh, okay. That was stingy. What, what the fuck was that? Oh, I'm going to shock you every time you fuck up and don't do your notes right. Is that why I was sitting down for an hour while you wired me up? Yeah, that and you're too fucking lazy to move. I really should start looking into what people do around me while I'm just zoning out. Yeah, you should probably pay attention. All right, anyway, back to the notes. I can do a lot better this time. So anyway, this total whorebag of a woman, of a ghost. Oh, whoa, 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 oh, that hurt. In the jubilees. Well, oh, that hurt. Misogyny. He's gonna oh, do come that, on, dude. man. Okay, nope, you're nope. right. I can do better. I can do better. All right. So anyway, uh, Peter then tells Ray, yes, no one has ever stacked books like this. Oh, come on, man. That was, ah, was real. I didn't know I was going to be getting electric shocks. Well, you should read closer into your contract. I mean, I am actually paying you for this session. But it's five bucks. Yeah, so what? It's still five bucks. You know, this is just like the movie. Yeah, so, so I stole the idea. That's what we do. Every bit we ever do is about everything that we fucking cover. That's true. You know, with the Me Too movement, Vakeman doesn't look so good in this movie. Oh, no, I've never really liked Vakeman. I've always really been a fucking Egon guy myself. Yeah, I'm more Winston. We'll always have Ray. Everybody can always look Everyone can love Ray. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, who doesn't have a second mortgage nowadays? You need to control the side chatter. Anyone who isn't dead or from another plane of existence would do well to cover their ears right about now. Cinema Psyops. My personal view is that it's nauseating, disgusting, degrading, ghastly, stealing, cruelly and wildistic and generally nauseating. They are unbelievably nauseating. They are the antithesis of humankind. I regard them as disgusting, nasty, horrible, without any kind of merit. I just do not believe that any allegedly cultural activity which strikes at the roots of culture is to be applauded. They represent nothing to my mind, enduring, decent, or worthwhile. I just do not believe that they contribute anything worthwhile to inflict themselves upon society at large. I would like to see somebody dig a very, very large, exceedingly deep hole and drop the whole bloody lot down it. You know, I think uh, the whole world would be vastly improved by their total and utter non-existence. Cinema Psyops with Hort and Matt. Hello and welcome to Cinema PsyOps. Doing this all again for the second time because someone forgot to hit record. Joining me in the studio, sitting across from me and laughing his ass off at how I just fucked up, it's Matt. <laughs> I didn't feel like we've done this before, right? It's like a deja weird, vu. weird sense of deja vu. Yeah, man. We had some really great material that yeah, oh always God. hit the floor. Yeah. And then just... you said some amazingly racist stuff that was <laughs> never going to be used. So did you. I said nothing racist <laughs> in any way, shape, or form. <laughs> Liar. There's no proof on either direction and of something your John Williams impression. That was really weird. John Williams is a freaking composer, so <laughs> oh, yeah. I will do impressions of him all day, and I have no problem with that. <laughs> Man, we did what? Like a half hour worth of show? Half hour worth of show. It's gone. It's just gone. To the fucking ether, man. <laughs> just disappeared from the material sphere. <laughs> oh, no. It's just gone. <laughs> yeah. It was relatively okay. It was all right. It 
was kind of a mess. It, well, not the movie's a mess, but us covering this movie's going to be a mess. I don't know, man. I don't think anyone on the planet is I more mean, qualified than you to discuss the black experience in America, particularly in the mid to like early 70s. Yeah, well, of course. I mean, I was born after those years, but yes, I'm still more qualified than anybody else to speak on the black experience in America. I mean, let's just go through the checklist of what makes you qualified, right? Yes. You're white. Um, yep. You're middle American. Correct. You grew up mostly in an area that had pretty much no black people in it when you were a kid. Check. And in the greater Omaha area, you have maybe a black neighbor within 200 feet of you? Uh, actually, right across the street from me. Oh. But other than that. How very progressive of you. I, I am <laughs> I am very liberal. <laughs> Apparently. <laughs> <laughs> yes, but all those things considered, uh, there's the only other person more, uh, as qualified as I am to speak on the black experience is you. Right. And so that's, now we have us both yeah. on the show. And my qualifications are, first of all, yeah. I have watched Black Caesar, which yes. we we're discussing tonight. Yes. I have watched Foxy Brown. Yes. I have seen... And plenty of other black exploitation films that this was based on. And you are also white. For, well, I am? Yeah. Don't put me in a box. Well, well you're don't, in that box pretty heavy, pal. Don't label me racially. You are entirely too Nordic not to be white. <laughs> I mean, so my skin is so freaking white, it's nearly translucent, and you can see what kind of muscles may be I underneath could, there. I could see your veins. <laughs> you really can. It's so veiny. My tattoo artist just, like, pulls the color out and doesn't even put it on the needle, and it's somehow under my skin. <laughs> it's easiest tattoos ever. Yeah. But no, obviously, you and I are not qualified in any way, shape, or form. Not even a little bit. No. But what we can discuss is how it makes us feel. Yes. And what about the <laughs> film that we do or do not like? Because Lord knows our white feelings are so important. <laughs> our guilt. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, the only agency that black people are allowed to have in this country is what white people tell them is yeah. kind of okay. I know. It's so bad. <laughs> Including whether or not their lives matter. Oh, we're a bunch of cunts. And whether or not they can actually take a knee. Because that's so important. Yeah. But I mean, Roseanne should be able to say whatever the fuck with things she wants to say on Twitter. Right. Because no repercussions whatsoever. Freedom of speech. Yeah. <laughs> but you take that knee and by God, you should be fired and you're a bastard. See, this is how it works. This is exactly how it works. Until white people say something, the plight of black people no one cares about. That's how it works in this country. That is so gross. America is a bunch of cunts. You are so right, <laughs> sir. That guy's smart. I wouldn't go that far. <laughs> He's just accurate at this point. <laughs> no, I wouldn't either. Yeah, you're, you're, yeah, it's closer than that. <laughs> I'm so glad that didn't turn into an actual spit take. Yeah, know, it was pretty close. It was close. Like, Alright, so we've already done this all before. We, yeah. We've kind let's of gone through this. Let's just get back to the movie, yeah, please. Yeah, let's just, let's just do it. We're going to take a little break here. We're going to try and gather our thoughts and come to terms with the fact that we have to do a half hour's worth of material all over again. God, you guys, I'm sorry guys, I don't know if the second half hour is going to be any good. <laughs> <laughs> like it was ever good to begin and with. I, I felt it was going okay, but. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're getting our shit together we're going to play a promo for another podcast that is definitely better than ours Way at this point better than this one <laughs> so much better <laughs> they at least know when to hit record yeah well <laughs> It's a, it's a big fucking red lit up button. <laughs> and what do I usually do with big red lit up buttons? You I press, press them. them. <laughs> I mean, usually with your tongue. <laughs> well, that's the sexiest way to press a button. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have a little bit of music from James Brown because it's fucking James Brown and that's amazing. Mad respect. And when we come back, we will have the radio spot from Black Caesar. Hey, feeling down? Feeling low? Not enough podcasts about movies in your life? Why not try? They must be 
destroyed on sight. The new podcast cure-all. Sure to get you right with the world and on a path to better living. We have exploitation. We have Italian horror. We have zombies. We have slashers. We have crime films. We have spaghetti westerns. We even have sci-fi and sex comedies. So take a dose of... They must be destroyed on sight. As needed, and let the hosts, Lee Russell, Daniel Harper, Paul Romali, and the odd guest host, Cure What Ails Ya. Warning, may cause atrophy, African consumption, black femur, bone shave, chin puff, colic, cramp colic, dropsy of the brain, elephantitis, grocer's itch, jaundice, mania, miasma, mortification, palsy, pox disease, rheumatism, scurvy, St. Anthony's fire, summer complaint, and worm fit in some people. Consult a physician. about you but listening to this once again even though it's the second time around for this mm, nothing it wrong with it though put me right back in the mood man. hey man it's one of the good things about doing this the second time around we get the music again <laughs> to hang out and jam out to yep. a little bit of james brown oh yeah ah oh, that was great <sighs> <laughs> uh insert really clever joke about how i'm going to play this next radio spot and witty comeback he made a hit <laughs> out of hammer now fred williamson is back as Black Caesar. Black Caesar. He carved out a name for himself in the blood of his enemies. Hail Caesar, Godfather of Harlem. Black Caesar. Get down! Music composed and performed by James Brown. Fred Williamson is Black Caesar. From American International, rated R, under 17, not admitted without parent. This Caesar comes to bury you. All right. Yeah. <laughs> God, I love trailer guy voice. Yeah. Trailer guy voice is the best. Here we go again. Yeah. Let's try this again. This time with feeling. <laughs> um, we start with a young African-American boy offering to shine the shoes of an older white man on the street. The older white man doesn't really want it. He says no, but the uh, young boy is quite persuasive and wanting to do this as he's uh, shining the shoes, telling him how great it's going to be. He's going to be able to see himself in them. Uh, we see another uh, white man walking across the street. Why does uh, it got to be another white man? Why can't it just be another man? Because it is another white man. <laughs> and uh, because this is an exploitation film. Right. Anyway, so uh, as the other man sees the man walking across the street, he gets a little nervous. He wants to run away. Wait, now I can't differentiate. Which man is seeing what man? The older white man uh-huh. sees the other old white man walking down the st- walking across the street. Oh, okay. So the guy who's getting his shoes shined, shined is the older white man. Is the older white man. And then the other the old, old white man. Old white man okay. is coming walking across the street. All right. Yeah, now yeah. I see how that helps me differentiate. Yeah, see? <laughs> so you're fucking welcome. <laughs> but it was the ageism that helped me. Yes, of course, because fuck old people. No. Only if they let you. <laughs> 
Yes. <laughs> I don't know what he wants to say to that. All right, so the boy grabs onto the other man's leg to prevent him from getting away. As the man beats the boy over the head, the other guy walking across the street takes out a gun, blows the guy away. The crowd disperses. The boy grabs his shoeshine box and runs away. When he grabs a hold of that guy's leg, it looks like a little kid begging his dad not to leave and go out drinking at night. Yeah. I showed you that home video once. You weren't going to say anything about it. I wasn't even talking about your bad parenting. Oh. I was talking about my father. <laughs> you okay, buddy? I'm fine. Want to get another tattoo? No, I just want you to do the notes. Okay. Go out back. We'll throw the ball around later. That never does anything for me. I don't even like sports ball. <laughs> I'm going to try to help you away. I can't help my own son. <laughs> Clearly not. <laughs> You're a terrible father. I hate you. I know. You're not even my dad. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like I'm at home. Uh, <laughs> You're not really a real father. I'm just kidding. My kid doesn't yell at me that much. <laughs> Your kid doesn't even care that you're around. Nope. <laughs> My kid's slightly independent. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, the boy and the man meet in a back alley, and the boy, the man puts some money in the boy's pocket, uh, gives him an envelope that he has to deliver. You're skipping over the very important part of showing him his weapon. Well, I was just getting to that. Oh, because he does that first, yeah, well, No, no. He puts the money in his pocket first, and then the boy fishes into the man, wants to see in the man's coat. The man pulls out the gun because the kid really likes the gun. Yeah. He and actually pulls the he, coat aside just to look at the handle, yeah, and, then and then the guy pulls it out to show him the gun. And then, you know, he gives the kid an envelope to deliver. And it's important to note that that particular type of gun comes back later on because the kid yeah. is very impressed with yeah, it. Yeah, he's very into that gun. Yeah. Um, the boy delivers the envelope to a cop at his apartment. And um, let's just say this cop uh, uses a whole lot of uh, racial slurs against the young man. Disparaging comments against a particular race. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. yes. A lot of them. Lots of racism. Like a whole shit ton of racism. All of the racism wow. rolled up into one fascist fucking cop. <laughs> fucking cop. Yeah, it, it, this isn't going to help the cop's case with court right now, this movie. <laughs> Goddamn. All right, so anyway, then the cop says that his bribe that he was given was 50 bucks short and then accuses the boy of stealing it. Boy says he did take it. The, they have a scuffle and he finds like a switchblade in his back pocket and says he could shoot him in the head for just having this. And it's pretty obvious that the guy's using this as an excuse. This fucking pig is just wanting to work over the kid pretty much because he wants to send a message to whoever they use like don't send a don't send don't a, send a, a black, black kid to me my again. house again because this isn't gonna be cool with him yeah he felt it was an insult so he wanted to basically take it out on this poor fucking I don't kid. even think that thing was 50 bucks short it wasn't I bet it wasn't and if it was it was the 50 bucks the guy took out of the envelope to pay the kid for helping yeah. him kill the other guy so anyway um, <laughs> he throws the kid down the stairs and then beats the ever loving shit out of him with his billy club breaking his leg yeah did you notice he tries to Captain America a shield with the uh, trash can lid there yeah. for a little bit to try and stop the beating. Yeah. Like, and the kid is not even half this cop size. No. It's a big fucking pig beating on the little fucking boy. Yeah, I mean, it was disgusting. Yeah. Yeah, and, it was gross. And accurate and still going on to this day. Oh no, they just shoot them when they're unarmed and not looking. So anyway, we come to in the hospital now and the young man's foot is in a cast and he's sitting there talking to his nerd friend and that is our first clip. Yeah, come here. Why aren't you with the other guys? Why are you always by yourself? Well, the, uh, the other guys, they, they don't want me around. Yeah. Oh, you're the one I want to see. Yeah, I'm going to be gone for a few years. I'm this rat. I'm going to learn a lot. I want you to learn a lot, too. What are you talking about? I mean, you're the big brain. I take good care of you. I'll be all right. Just shut up and listen. I want you to finish school, high school. I was figuring on CCNY someday. It's for free. I want you to learn how to use money. 
where to put it so you end up with more than you started with. Then when I get out and I've started my business, you'll be with me. Yeah, sure. Anything you say. Now get out of here before you start crying. I'm crying. Okay, so you're not crying. Get out. Fuck off. And Joe, before I see you again, I want you to get laid. That was nice. <laughs> now it's October 25th, 1965. We know this because it tells. Oh, yeah. thank you. Thank it, you, movie. It, it popped up on a placard. The only time I'm going to say this. Thank you, movie. Yeah, there's no other way to thank the movie because nope. not even the nudity is going to be enjoyable in this. Nope. <laughs> All downhill from here. This film is about violence and degradation. <laughs> <laughs> be it of women, men, mostly black men and women, but mostly just women. As now we see a grown-up Gibbs walking the street, dressed all snazzy. It still bugs me that you're calling him Gibbs. His name is Tom. Everybody else calls him Tommy, but you're going by this name. I, I, I go either other way. I think you wrote it down because it sounds like the guy from NCIS you have a hard on for. No, believe it or not, I, I usually go by a lot more last names anytime I take notes. Mm. But I try to filter it and change it up. I don't just like calling a person by their like first or just their last name. So if I have both in a movie, I'll oftentimes switch it up. Because there are times in this uh, in my notes where I also call him Tommy. I just say if I call him by the same name too much, it sounds fucking weird. <laughs> okay. I, I don't know. It's, that's my OC. <laughs> Um, we come to a barber shop, and while a guy is getting a shave, uh, he is he, some sort of maid guy, some sort of mobster guy. He's going to get a shave from an African-American gentleman, and he decides to disparage and go on his own racist tyrant about how, you know, he doesn't ever see black people in Vegas, although he doesn't use the word black, doesn't use any good word. And he talks about how they all like to gamble, too, or something or along those lines. Or they're all born losers, is what he something said. Something like that, and yeah. maybe that's why they don't go. Oh. Or really horrible stuff yeah. that like I feel awful. And he's trying ready to, to get a straight razor shave from a black guy. Yeah, this is the part where it's really disgusting. Yeah, that, that kind of just callous and just so brazen attitude to where the privilege is just dripping off this guy, where he knows he can get away with that. Yeah, because he's in his mind above everyone else. Yeah, not just because he's a made man, but because he's surrounded by black men. You think this guy specifically goes into a black barber shop for a shave just, just so he can that. throw his weight? Well, around. and also th- th- then it's also a black person serving him that's in his mind yeah. yeah to throw his weight oh, around yeah, exactly yeah. yeah oh big time yeah it's really disgusting when i was watching this with my wife last night we were watching it just basically before she went to sleep and because i didn't have to do the notes i put it off to the last moment <laughs> basically yeah, to watch it because i have it practically memorized anyway but uh that particular scene where the guy's laying all that stuff down she mm-hmm. got really upset he yeah. was really angry and i'm like yeah i know that's well, who freaking disgusting. i mean if you're a, a, even a, a par human being like you don't even have to be a good human being if you're just an average human being that should bother you. If you have a modicum of empathy and no racism about you at all, yeah, and you don't feel superior to anyone of Be- not of your race, yeah, that particular scene is going to affect you. Yeah, they put it over the top that purposely. But then again, if you think about it, it's really not even over the top. No, it's, it's pretty accurate for, for that kind of person and for the time. Well, even now you hear people talk like that. Oh well, yeah, but I meant uh, it was even more prevalent and accepted. prevalent and accepted. Yeah. yeah, I mean now at least most of the time people will get shamed for speaking that way. <laughs> Unless they're in the White House. Oh, nice. And accurate. And accurate. <laughs> All right. So Tommy walks in and he's kind of talking to the guy. He knows the guy's name. The guy's kind of like, oh, what's going on here? And Tommy's like, well, you know, I, you know, he goes, I want you to shave him really good. I want him to look good for his family and loved ones. And he goes, and uh, he goes, hey, you're joking. You, you, the guy was like, you don't even have a gun. And then Tommy brings out the exact kind of gun that the guy had before. It's very similar. It's, uh, it's a new 
newer version of it. Yeah, but it's, it's, it's either a newer similar. or an older one, but yeah. it's the same type manufacturer and caliber of gun. It's just that there's slight differences, and it is a really cool gun, and it's yeah. a very signature yes. <laughs> kind of thing that he uh, has. Very much so. And it just goes to show the influence that particular gangster had on him for mm-hmm. basically, I don't know, like not necessarily being well, like a replacement Well, you see a lot of, o- o- almost throughout this whole movie, you see the people who had imprints on Tommy, whether good or bad. Yeah, there's very specific things that he copies him- a lot of things or does a lot of things that shows you, you know. If he's either envious or he admires, depending upon yes. which direction it it's goes. one of the two. He either emulates or takes it from you. Yes. <laughs> exactly. That's a really good way to put it. Yes. yes. And uh, we just need to talk about the way that Fred Williamson comes into the barbershop and just walks in. Immediately on screen, he has so much charisma. Yeah. He just captures it. And he's one of those actors where, now, I'm not saying that Fred Williamson can't act because maybe in the start of his career, he wasn't as good of an actor as what he is by the time we get to Black Caesar and then later on. Well, and that you can say that for almost any actor. Right. No actor right in the beginning of their career is great. But what I'm saying is the kind of charisma that Fred Williamson has, he doesn't even need to act. A perfect example of that is like a Burt Reynolds, right? Yeah. He's yeah. no acting talent, right? Yeah. Burt, let's face it, I love Burt Reynolds. Yeah. But his whole acting stick is... <laughs> his whole acting stick is being Burt Reynolds. Yeah. He just shows up yeah. on screen and just stands there and Hi, looks, I'm Burt Reynolds. looks sexy let's with a mustache as yeah. Burt Reynolds. Yeah. That's, but he's got a lot of charisma and you can't not look at him on screen. Yeah. Now, he, you take that kind of charisma and then you take, like, say, a Billy D. Williams, like, smooth motherfucker. Yes. Like, just kind of, the minute he walks on screen, you can't stop looking at him because you're like, God damn, look at that guy. Like, like the sort of sexual he's draw. He's just the coolest guy in the room. Yeah, cool, charisma, and then, like, yeah. well, he's got the cool for Billy D. Williams and the, the sort of, like, just sexual, like, I don't know what it is. It's just, like, the sexual draw. Where even if you're a straight dude, you're like, God damn, Billy D. Williams. Well, did blow up a Death Star. Just saying, <laughs> there's nothing more sexy than that. Well, yes, but he's Billy D. Williams. Yeah. Well, he was Billy D. He looks smooth while blowing up a Death right. Star. Do you take those aspects of Billy D. Williams and you take the unfiltered, unquenchable charisma of Burt Reynolds, you smash them together, and that's it's Fred t- Williamson when he walks in. That's a tall drink of awesome. Oh my God. He's just incredible. Yeah. I can't love him enough. Huh? <laughs> well, you probably could for his taste. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that if he knew how much I love him, there would be restraining orders and or possible orders of execution out on my name. Yeah, right. But or he'd just show up at your door and do it himself. <laughs> I wouldn't put it past him. <laughs> he would just be like, look, man, you got to take it down a notch. We got to tone it down. Or and else... I'd be like, you're, you're right, Mr. Williamson. I'm sorry. <laughs> Poor sir. You're great. I love you. <laughs> what? Nothing. Nothing, what? sir. Nothing. What? I'm sorry. <laughs> people are saying stuff. I don't know. A lot of people are saying stuff. <laughs> people talk. I don't know. I don't know what you want me to do about it. Anyway, it's great in this scene. He like sits there and he kind of openly mocks the guy, say, yo, make sure you shave him all nice and I'm look good for his, his family and loved ones. And he goes, hey, don't worry. I'm I'm nervous too. This is my first time. He goes, I've never killed anybody before. I mean, Something along those lines. Pretty much yeah. making it known he's gonna, you know, he's gonna clip him. And he's like, that he goes, well, you just gotta let me go get my gun, my coat. He goes, look at my hands shaking too. The the barber's cutting him yeah. uh, with the razor because he's his hands are shaking. He goes, and uh, don't uh, mark him up. I, yeah, you're, Tommy's you're gonna... like, hey, Mark, you're cutting him all up. He goes, but look, my hands are shaking too. I, I'm nervous too. And then the guy tries to get up, and Tommy shoots him dead. He actually grabs the razor, doesn't he? He grabs the razor from the yeah, he might have. from the barber, and, and then, then he comes at Tommy, which I think Tommy Tom... was ready with a gun pointed right at him. But Tommy so, should have I mean, just fucking shot him before he even. Could I think Tommy would like to have him fun. Yeah, I think it was more fun for him to like have the guy freak out. 
racist put him prick. Down. Yeah. So anyway, and then Tommy laughs and remarks and looks at the guy's face. He goes, I mean, I'm never letting you cut me. Never letting you shave <laughs> yeah, me. I'm yeah, I'm never letting you shave me. Look what you did to his face. <laughs> so he th- does carve him up pretty good, too. And right before he leaves, he takes his ear. Yeah, he cuts it right off That's with the it. same razor. And so, then hands, it, hands the razor also, back to the He barber. also makes notice that, uh, to the guy that he was killing him on orders of Cordoza, who's apparently a mob boss. Yeah, because the guy does get real, like, I'm a made man, you can't touch yeah, you me. you know who I am. You have no right to be doing this And then all. he's like, well, the order came from somebody a lot bigger than you. Yeah, so. more, more powerful, and yep. now that there's a mark on you, you're you're marked, yep. and anyone can take that contract. Yeah, so uh, we come, we see this uh, Cordoza eating a plate of spaghetti. As uh, Tommy walks in, he throws the ear on the plate, and uh, the guy goes, hey, and he goes, hey, I just thought your sauce could use a little more meat. The guy gets really offended. He looks like he's almost ready to throw up, and then he throws well, his... Well, yeah, I mean... He, he throws was, his napkin over top of it, and he doesn't want to look at the ear. Well, because he was he was eating. He was in a different mood. Yeah, well, you don't want to have a fucking corpse here thrown into your food unless yeah. you're me. Well, yeah. I mean, duh. <laughs> You'd be the creepiest mob boss. Not everybody likes a Soylent Green carnish. No, they don't. <laughs> Some people don't understand that. Uh, anyway, uh, Tommy's, or Tommy explains how he did a really great, you know, perfect job for him. And he goes, how was that perfect? He did it in the middle of a day in a barber shop. And he goes, that's why. He goes, uh, I, because, he goes because I did it. And he made note, he goes, how your organization organization doesn't is known not to employ black people. Although Tommy doesn't use that word. But they get uses, it. We don't, we don't need to keep doing this. He uses the word he can get away with. And Anytime that we say anything having to do yeah. with black just people know, in this, just it's pretty this. much someone else said a racial slur in the movie. Most of the time when we say they use the term black people, they didn't. Sometimes <laughs> they do, and that's like 5% of the movie. Most of the time yeah, it's a racial you're, slur. you're highballing that. Am I highballing it? Yeah. I was trying to be nice, I guess, yeah, but most of the time it's a racial slur. Yeah. So anyway, um, and that's why it was perfect. No one will think uh, uh, Cordoza made that hit. Yeah, because be- their organization yeah. as a rule does not hire black people. And so Cordoza likes that. He's like, hey, look at him. He, you know, he, he, uh, you know, he did something. He goes, oh, sit down. He he wants something to eat, and at that point, Tommy speaks Italian to Sicilian. the waiter. Sicilian. Well, at first, Cortosa says, I never heard anybody of... Mm, no, he says Sicilian. It, later. He says Italian in this part. Okay. Yeah, because that's why I wrote that down. Okay. All right. So, he says, I've never heard anybody, you know, wants uh, any more racial slurs, speak Italian. And Tommy makes note that he's uh, one of his cellmates, Sicilian, a Sicilian kid, and gave him a lesson. And Tommy even knew when he was a kid with a broken leg. It's one of the things we heard in the clip. He's going away to juvie, or he's going away. Yeah, for... He, couple of years. He knew that in those years he was going to get an education in being a criminal. He already was on the path. This just pretty much clenched it whenever he got put away. Yeah, he wanted this. And one of the things that he pretty much wanted to do from admiring the one mafiosa guy that was treating him right was he wanted to get in with that group in some way, shape, or form. Yeah. So I wouldn't be surprised he, if he angled Tommy to get into a cell. Tommy even changes his own, like when he's even speaking English to these guys, he changes his tone to sound almost Italian. Yeah, the affectation of yeah. how he speaks. Yeah. 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 Uh, you know, the, of those mafioso type guys, you know. He does a really good job of mirroring people. Yeah. I think there is something about Tommy where he's not fully happy with who he is. No, that's definitely true. Yeah, he's you very... Think, you see that in this whole entire movie. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff that it, he does with the exterior because he can't deal with what's going on interior. Yeah. In a lot of cases. Yeah. And he's trying to make up for that, whether he's emulating or just taking, taking. something from somebody else. Yeah. yeah. As they're talking, he goes, well, I'll pay you the 200. Tommy's like, why only 200? You know, he goes, well, unfortunately, someone of your color can't make as much as someone of another color. It doesn't say it like that, but that's what Cardoza was saying. Do you um, get the feeling that it's pretty much anybody who's not mafioso wouldn't get the same amount of money? Uh, no, well, or is it just specifically no, white? No, there might even have been more of a problem if, if you know, I'll say that. What helped Tommy out was that it was black in 
that you know that was his reasoning for doing it because Cordoza does say that was only for high grade professionals. Yeah. So if some like lo- I think it was some white dude, some just some lowly dude who just heard about it on the street, decided to try to take it, he might have actually gotten taken out and killed because he didn't have the permission. Well, yeah. he didn't have the permission, and also too, he might give up Cordoza easier. Oh, okay. You know all that kind of stuff. So he might have gotten taken out pretty quickly. But you know who knows. Uh, but then Tommy says, "Listen, I'm going to be doing a lot of job for you, so don't ruin it right now." He said, "I never used the same man twice." And he goes, "Besides, none of my brothers out west, all his family members out west, yeah. would ever allow me to use give you a job because of his particular racial yes. persuasion." Yeah. And Tommy goes, "I don't want your job. I just want one city block to call my own." He gives the city block he grew up on. Says, "I want that for my own." And after some, you know, oh, that street's not nothing. He finally agrees it's to Tommy's it. neighborhood, so yeah. the guy doesn't see the value in it that Tommy does, yeah. which he, is the brilliance of Tommy's plan. Yeah, and he says, all right, fine. He goes, but you're going to be doing a lot of job me for this. You might not think came out so well. And then Tommy goes, so I worked some overtime. <laughs> it was just like, it was great. And the way that Fred Williamson delivers that pops yeah. up his eyebrows when he says it. Yeah, so I get some overtime. That's exactly a perfect example of what we're talking about yeah. there with that charisma yes. and that fucking sex appeal. Yes. <laughs> well, anyway, then we get our first montage in the movie uh, where he get Tommy walking his, his block with his guys and, and interacting with the people there and looking at the stores. I don't think that the way that this would cut together would work nearly as well if they didn't have the boss by yeah. James Brown playing over top exactly. of Exactly. I mean, yes, it was written specifically to be in a scene like that. Yeah. Because the movie had the music made specifically for that. Exactly. And I just feel like the way that the montage is set together would fall flat without that music. I agree. Because it's mostly just a lot of walking and then banging some well, chicks. The, the, well, and it's, you knew you see him really banging chicks, but you see him doing the walking, then hanging out with chicks. Yeah, he's got his arms around a bunch yeah, of different women. Yeah, you can tell he's, he's, he's uh, dating a few women. He's dipping his wick. Yeah. A and, lot. And, you, and then it goes to him killing Cordoza's enemies. Yeah, so know, earning his street, pretty he's, much. He's killing some men, and he's banging some women. Yeah. But we never see him do that at the same time. No, I know. I'm you, very you sad had about the, that. You had the saddest boner. <laughs> so anyway, uh, we end up in a lawyer's office, and that is our next clip. Never fear, brother. I'm always here to save the souls and heal the ills and cash the checks. <laughs> you see, uh, religious organizations is tax-exempt privilege, you know. When we shake folks down, they're not going to pay Tommy. They're going to support my religious organization, and it all goes into a fund. And we don't even have to hide the monies that we make from hookers and the numbers. And we report it and use it tax-free to buy filling stations, supermarkets, apartment houses, everything, anything Joe the Brain can think up. We intend to do more than just organize the rackets in harm. We're going to see the black people get a fair shake. A chance to live better. Well, isn't that right, Tommy? I understand you're pretty well connected down to City Hall, Mr. Coleman. You ever heard of a man called Gusick? He's been bag man for certain public servants ever since I was a snot-nosed kid. What happened is the families that have been making payoff all along finally demanded an accounting. An audit, you might say. Don't tell me this Gusick was foolish enough to keep ledgers. I'm afraid so. I saw these ledgers once when I was a little boy. Just a couple of ordinary books with a lot of facts. Their names. Oh, what names? Cops, councilmen, congressmen. They must be carefully hidden. In the safe deposit box. But to show that he's clean, he has to take the books out and deliver them for examination periodically. And that's what you've been waiting for. I thought you'd understand. Once you've acquired possession of this material, you, you wish me to 
represent your interests. I don't think we should discuss social reform further until uh, after you've acquired control of these celebrated ledgers. Wow. Way to just talk around the thing that you're trying to say. Right? Yeah. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah. That's some fancy Lorian. I like how Tommy used the fact that he was just a kid and the fact that no one pays any mind to a black kid, let alone in this organization, yeah. to get information that he can use with time. Tommy plays a beautiful long game. Oh, yeah. But once he gets to everything that he's trying to achieve, he forgets the fact that he steps on everybody on his way there. Yeah. And it's been obvious that that's kind of what he's been doing, even at this point, before we even really see him start to unfold his plans he doesn't uh he doesn't think about uh, uh relationships with people you know quite in the same way except for with his inner kind of crew and even then he's really quick to burn those bridges yeah <laughs> in a lot of cases so anyway we now are at a bar and there's some mob guys who are now working on the ledger tommy has his girl uh and he tells he sees her and he says play me some piano and while she complains a little bit because she's just got done working a long shift and they all think she's a whore and all that even though she's supposed to be the entertainment he pretty Pretty much forces her to play some music and when she says what do you want to hear he said just make it loud and she kind of bangs on the keys and we kind of see the beginnings of tommy's a dick you know unfortunately to uh, certain people well as much as tommy has been mistreated just what yeah. we've already seen not to mention what actually happens in the institution yeah when he was actually in there for juvie or whatever it was he got sent away to mm -hmm. just based on what we've seen and how people have treated him and how he's been cast aside tommy's got a lot of anger he's got yeah. a pretty big axe to grind and it's justifiable man he's been treated well, bad well, and he wants not to hurt justifiable for the way he treats her throughout this movie at this point the way that he's acting and the way that yeah. he's just being bossy and he needs this to get done he's fine he gets much worse yes this is still a likable version of tommy at this point uh, kind of but anyway she starts playing the piano and singing and tommy walks up to the room and uh takes out the gun he kind of peeks in and then he breaks down the door and shoots all three men which stops his girlfriend cole from playing his girlfriend helen not his girlfriend yet but soon to, girlfriend. soon to be girlfriend but her name is hell yes uh she is shocked as horrified as he grabs the ledgers and kind of tells her you don't have to work here anymore you know you were just complaining about it did you notice in that scene how the squibs went off before he actually pulled the trigger and yes the, the actual shots of the gun were going of course off too? yeah it's great especially the one guy in the middle there was like a whole bunch of like it looked like he got hit with a paintball filled with like that was so exploitation paint. film yeah <laughs> um you can see the points that we were trying to make whenever yeah. we actually were covering it, yeah. It's all in these films. Oh, right? yeah. The little mistakes they couldn't afford to fix. Yeah. yeah. And uh, as he keeps trying to, I think, justify what he just did to Helen, she's just extremely shocked and horrified by it's it. It's almost like people judge you for murdering a lot of other people. Yeah. And that's a legit murder. That's a real <laughs> murder. There was some real murdering happening in there. And so, yeah, people get judgy. Oh, okay. So in the context of the film, like, you don't think that was real in like real life? He killed those guys. No, that wasn't real life. I, I know. Mean, that is the like movie. the most fake looking yeah, guy I've ever I, I, seen. <laughs> it's like very clear Kensington yeah. Gore level of like oh, 70s yeah. like temper I'm just blood. saying like in the concept of the movie those were real murder <laughs> those those weren't even contract killings those guys were just in his way yeah literally in his way so all, he murdered all three of them yeah their blood is literally on the books and his hands yeah <laughs> damn well anyway we are now back at the lawyer's office in our next clip as of today we're branching out into new fields. Instead of just shaking down the white landlords, we're going into business with them. Isn't that right, Tommy? Oh, yeah, Joe. That's, that's great, man. We'll see that uh, those apartments got heat in the winter. That ought to convince uh, all those black people we got their welfare at heart, huh? And we'll make sure that the garbage is picked up and dropped off in them white neighborhoods. <laughs> yeah, right on. It's nearly time. Everything's blue chip. 
growth potential. Well, it's too good for that bastard. Grow! Yeah. Hey, uh, Joe and Mr. Coleman, here's something for that uh, lovely wife of yours, straight from Tiffany's. All right, boys, now vanish. Huh? I got some business to take care of. Uh, I'd advise they use the freight elevator. Shall I lock the ledgers away? No, you just leave them there. I want him to see him. You just sit tight. Have him come in. Captain McKinney, I believe you know Mr. Gibbs. Somebody called down for a shine. It's time you two forgot your past differences. After all, it was Mr. Gibbs' experts that assembled this stock portfolio for you in your name. All blue chip companies, preferred stocks, bonds, mutual funds. Better than the envelope under the table, right, McKinney? Security, an investment in the future for your family. Oh, uh, I've started a new collection. I'm collecting old books now. Those date back to 1955. A lot of very interesting characters. Sort of a success story, you might say. If I could pin murder one on you for possession of those books. I'm talking facts, McKinney. And you are mouthing make-believe garbage. Naturally, we'll be adding to this portfolio regularly, looking after your interests as you'll look after ours. Right now, you're high as a junkie with a $100 habit. But everybody crashes, and I'll be around. Well, that's uh, fine, McKinney. You gave me my education. Now I'm going to put your kids to college. Best of luck with the Dow Jones, and uh, good afternoon, Captain. Nothing to be gained by antagonizing a man. Runs the most important precinct in Manhattan. He'll be commissioner. I want him nice and fat before I kill him. Now, partner, let's uh, lock up those books, and then uh, you can introduce me to that family of yours you promised I could meet. All right. So now we uh, head to the lawyer's apartment and Gibbs decides that, oh, it's a nice enough place and the neighborhood's getting so bad and everyone's moving out of the city that he's just going to go ahead and buy the whole entire apartment. He's engineering white flight. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and he literally says, the, the, the check's all made out and he goes, I want everything. I want clothes, your furniture, everything. And finally- I, I the, believe his exact words were, I want your clothes, your boots, and your motorcycle. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he's not the Terminator. Yeah, he kind of is. Well- no, he's way more deadly. Yeah, yeah. Way more charismatic. <laughs> well, but, dude, the chair sitting next to you has more charisma than Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> so anyway, uh, at this point, the wife of the lawyer pretty much agrees. And the lawyer asks, why do you even want our, our clothes to? Why do you want all of this? And he says, and this is also very telling, I had all your hand-me-downs. You know, anything that you wore out, anything you didn't need, anything that, you know, you couldn't fit into, I got. And he goes, even your leftovers, I got. And you never knew how literal it is until here a little bit he's being very literal about this people and then the woman's like well I'm gonna have my maid help me pack and he goes no the maid stays here too yeah. good help so hard to find Yeah. and as they're leaving she has a fur on and he takes that fur right off her he yanks it off yeah. her because it was across her shoulders and yep. it kind of spins her around yep. a little bit and then they shuts the door and he spends the rest of the night throwing all the furs off the balcony Yeah. and then the maid comes in the next morning and uh, she's cleaning up and she believes she's talking to the lawyer and she goes, you know, I'll take care of you like I always do. I got your tomato juice. From the and looks of it, he had a bender in her mind. Yeah. Well, I think is how she's she, reacting and to and it. Apparently, it's not abnormal for him to have a bender. It's because, Abby something. Yeah, but, but It's yeah, Abby something. Yeah, well, she's always kind of like, she's like, because, you know, I'll take care of you like I always do. Yeah. Don't you worry about it. And apparently, this lawyer goes on a bender and makes her clean up after him yeah. a lot. Well, then we find out that this is Tommy's mom. As she blows the blanket off, sees Tommy. Uh, they find out the, that is her son. So then 
And she's and, legit shocked and a little yeah. terrified and cannot understand what well, he's you, doing there. And then that makes a lot more sense. You know, I had all your hand-me-downs, all that stuff. Yeah. She was a maid for this family for a while. Like, you know, maybe she was, she followed this lawyer after maybe, you know, her parents. I get the feeling that, I get the feeling like it Maybe a lot it might have been more general, but I'm just saying. A lot be, of affluent, well-off white folk end up having a hand-me-down lifestyle yeah. of everything. And I think he got the apartment because his parents moved out when they retired or something. Something like that. And he was raised in the apartment yeah. and then he furnished it. But because she was the maid in the apartment before, she stayed. Yeah. You know, in because she needs to stay in the city. Yeah. And, and that's probably why he's been wearing this kid's clothes even when he was a kid and they grew up. They're about the same age, I would assume. Yep. And uh, he said, uh, you know, he had bought all of this place and that, you know, he said, I want some breakfast in bed and all that. And she's like, well, I won't work for you. She says, you're ungrateful. You're, you know, you're a bad kid. She thinks he's doped up at first. Yeah. The other thing that's really funny too is he actually like tries to appeal to her. Like she made him breakfast in bed once when he was really, really sick. And he just wants to get that kind of special treatment from her again. Well, and it sounds like he's trying to be also just playful with her because then he bit, says, yeah. he goes, cause I goes, mama, you don't understand. You don't work for me. He goes, you don't. Cause when she says she's going to quit, he said, you don't work for me. I bought this place for you. This is your place now. And then she's like, I can't you, live here. Yeah, They'll hang me from the banister. You, or you something like said that? they don't even let Jews in here. I mean, that's what she says, yeah. you know? So like, she's like, they don't let other people in here. Yeah. They'll hang me from the banister. Must be a He's Trump like, property. <laughs> it's Trump tower. One back when it was Trump. Um, <laughs> no, it was always Trump. Trump. Uh, anyway, he goes, do you understand? I'm going to get people to wait on you. I'm going to get white women to wait on you and you're not going to have to work anymore and you're going to be taken care of. And she goes, you don't get it. She goes, I'm a maid and I don't think you've ever gotten that. That's what she said. Or, you know, she said you could never see that, that I'm a maid. It's almost like she's okay with the type of work that she has to do and she's proud of what she can do. Well, it sounds like she's a person who likes to work. Well, and I think she actually, like that type of work appeals to her. I think she likes to cook and she likes to clean and she likes to look after people for a living. I think that's something that... I think that he felt that was demeaning. Clearly she's good at it and clearly she likes to do it. And the fact that he looks down on that type of work, by extension, he's looking down on his mom and trying to remove that type of work that she clearly has some some kind of passion or pride for is basically looking down on the thing that she's Maybe it's not even passion and pride for that type of work, but it's passion and pride for putting in a hard day's work. Yeah. And, you know, that's what you're supposed to do. Because a lot of people don't like what they do, but they have a pride in that they put in a hard day's work when they yeah. go home. Like, I that's know, part of their pride. You the know? way she says that I'm a maid isn't like, yeah, it's th- not like she's saying it like for better or worse, this is my lot in life. She said, you never saw that. I'm a maid. Yeah, yeah. I don't. It's not like me when I'm like, yeah. oh yeah, I do quality assurance. No, it's like me yeah. now when I'm like, I'm a programmer. Yeah. Like, it's something that I can I'm I'm glad that it's something that I do yeah. I like doing mm. that's the sense that I get from her yeah I don't think every maid is like that I feel that her character is like that it's not just the work she's good at what she does and she likes what she does is what I'm getting at yeah and none of us can wrap our head around that somebody would want to do that because none of us want to even clean up after ourselves no I literally just shit myself just now and I couldn't be bothered to move <laughs> god damn it <laughs> so anyway now we go into our second montage it's a party montage everyone's having fun they're dancing smoking talking having a good time. It's good to be the boss. Yeah, it's not bad. He's paying the cost to be the boss, as the song uh, is telling us. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> so then we come uh, to Rufus the Preacher uh, giving a sermon, and Tommy's mom begins begging him to pray for Tommy. I like that he's completely lost and he doesn't realize who it is. Yeah. And, and then when he knows... He calls he her goes, mom too, right? He used to live next door to him. Uh, they used to live next door, and she always liked him. She goes, Rufus, you've always been a good boy. Yeah. So she's always liked him, and I believe he's always liked her, because he calls her mama. Yeah. You know, he, he lived right next door you, to him. So. You know, you do have that person in the neighborhood where 
even if you're not related to them, especially yeah. if it's a close knit community. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You like, like call mom, or, yeah. you know, because yeah, I had but, an aunt that I wasn't even related to that was just my neighbor. Yeah, but like you, you don't call her auntie whatever her name was. I'm not going to say it, yeah. but like you didn't call her auntie or aunt whenever you addressed her. Yeah, and she would correct you and make sure that you phrased it with that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because she was everyone's aunt. She took care of all of us. Yeah, I mean, they're just good people out there who do that, or just are close to people. I, I, I always felt they had an ulterior motive because I can't understand the fact someone would be that altruistic. We're, we're callous motherfuckers who, you know, don't trust anybody. I'm callous. You're callow. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> I gave you a little chuckle. That's all you deserved on that one. <laughs> all right. Also because you don't understand the definition. I of gave you a sense. I gave you a sensible chuckle. You're okay. Anyway, I said good day, sir. I said good day. <laughs> uh, we then. Uh, all right. So then, um, Tommy then meets with Cordoza in our next clip. Hey, Tommaso, como está? How are you? <laughs> How you doing? Fantastic. You order for me, will you, Tommy? It's already been taken care of, Mr. Cardoza. Hey, you know those uh, boys you ordered from Philadelphia and yeah. Detroit? They're great. They're uh, really wonderful, and they work cheap. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> hey, who says Lincoln freed the slaves? <laughs> uh, who, uh, who, who Lincoln? Yeah. <laughs> hey, some creep who didn't have enough sense to sit facing the door. No, 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 sit here. Sit down, Tommy, sit down. Come on, Van Elvari, yeah? Hey, you know you knock me out. Every time he talks a silly, and it's like a, uh? like a dubbed-in movie. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, hey, you know, Mr. Cardoza, you built up a great business. Garbage trucks, policy. You know, like all big companies, the founder gets kicked upstairs, becomes uh, chairman of the board, something like that. Kind of gets uh, pensioned off. <laughs> no, 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 not my family. Hey, you know, in Sicily, my father ran his village until he was 84 years old. He and his brothers. Hey, it's no problem. As far as the national organization is concerned, we want them to think that you are still in charge. You will be the white face. Everybody will make it easier to swallow. You know, you know what I mean? They, what do you call it? Uh, what do you call it? Uh, token white, huh? <laughs> hey, come on, Tommy. It's not funny anymore. You forget, huh? You let the into your operation. You make fools of your people. You shame them. Kill you. <laughs> you do this to me after I gave you your chance. Who else I'm gonna do it to, huh? <laughs> no, please don't. Huh? Hey, Jesus Christ, don't shit. You think I killed my best friend? Huh? President. Engraved from Tiffany's. First class merchandise. Now who says I'm ungrateful, huh? Open it. Come on. Open. <laughs> you can do this to me. You can take everything away from me and give me this. Huh? Hey. A present, you bastard! Hey. Still get your cut every week. Of course, uh, being Italian, it's not the same as if you were. <laughs> Son of a bitch, you won't live that long. My brothers out in the coastal sea to that. They warned me about you. I should have listened to them. They'll look out for me now. They'll look out for me now. You wait, you son of a bitch. You wait. You wait. Hey, I heard California was a nice place to visit this time of year, huh? That right? <laughs> Wow. Well, lots to unpack there. Number one, all the guys in the previous party montage were all the mob guys that were helping Tommy, like working with Tommy. Yeah. Uh, who were uh, Cordo uh, Cordoza's men. They all get murdered. So Tommy was just partying with you, and then he didn't just had his men murder you. And it's a really cool setup, the way that they do it, where they use the fact that yeah. it's like an alleyway thing that's got a canopy over yeah. it, where they're seating outside. Because he knew that he would always sit with, you know, looking outside. Yeah. They don't look up. No. Yeah. yeah. So... Well, heard that dogs can't look up. It's a Shaun of the Dead but reference. dogs can look up. Fine. You're right about that. But dogs can look up. <laughs> Big Al says so. 
<laughs> no, uh, the kind of the point that I wanted to get across here is you actually see where he infiltrates the organization. He learns from them. He emulates them. And then he just takes it from them. Yep. He starts working with the lawyer. He learns from him. He takes from him. He kind of takes, but he actually pays for it. Yeah. It's basically one lump sum payment to get everything that he's always wanted. wanted when he was a kid. Yeah. Probably from the same family. All at once. His mom worked yeah. for. Yeah. yeah. And it's really like he got, he basically bought the life that he felt he should But he have. still kind of took it, even though he paid for it because took it because the lawyer wasn't going to sell. No, the lawyer didn't want to go. You can clearly tell that the lawyer was like not comfortable with this. But the wife was like, you're going to get hurt. So let's go. Yeah. You know, I mean, much. so Tommy took it still. Yeah. He took, he, well, he may have given him a check. He took. And the guy still works with Tommy like for the well, rest of the even, movie too. Well, he asked because that, you know, I, I don't blame the lawyer there. That partnership's going to be lucrative because right. those they have those ledgers now. Yeah. That's a lot of money, man. It's, you know, listen, I could buy new dignity. Right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. A lot of people like that's a really interesting part of this film, but a lot of people that come across Tommy swallow their pride and their dignity to work with him because of what he has to offer. Well, because he has this power of these ledgers, man, that's money. Yeah. Well, no, it's the money more than just power of the yeah. ledgers. He uses the power of the ledgers to, to leverage get them, himself but, for the money. Yeah. But that ledgers, those ledgers are, might as well just be like a golden goose laying a golden egg. It will never go away. Right. As long as you have those, le those ledgers mean you're constantly going to get money. And it goes back to like 1955 or some shit yeah, like I that. I mean, if those ledgers got up that he says it later on in the movie, but I'm just going to say it now. Those ledgers get out if that the town, New York City burnt. Yeah. If those ledgers get out. It's every crooked politician. Yeah. Everybody the who's ever worked with the mafia. People. Yeah. I mean, and right now you it would have enough evidence that the, uh, the guy who's going to be the commissioner of police yeah. is going to be, you know, raked over the coals. And it's really funny. He uses that as leverage to blackmail them into working with him. But yet still pays them. Right. Be well, For it, the but most it's also, part, yeah. it's a smart idea though. Like he said, he learned. You better pay him. Yes, you're blackmailing them, but don't make him feel like you're blackmailing them and then they'll actually help you. Yeah, you're forcing if them not, to work with you and ignore the fact that they're racist not, bastards. Th they'll, they'll have to, that too. Then they also have to realize, wow, this yeah, I'm getting all this money from a black guy who I, you know, constantly say <laughs> bad things about. You yeah. know, that's what they have to think to themselves. And that's a power game for Tommy too. I think Tommy gets more of a thrill out of forcing the racist people who hate him to work with him or for him well, than he gets out of getting the money and the power. It's like what he told McKinney. You know, I, uh, I'm going to put your, you gave me an education all those years ago and now I'm going to put your kids through college. Yeah. You know, uh, uh, you know that's he, he gets off on that power that, yeah. you know, I'm providing you with your your great life. You had all these other white bosses and sure, maybe you had some stuff, yeah. but now I'm here and I've, I've tripled everything you've gotten. And he gets off on the fact that he's getting these people more money and they hate him and resent him even more for it. And he loves that. It's and, that kind of power. But I too. think also yeah. in the end, he wants to burn them down. Well, there is that too. Because he, like, like Cordoza, I mean, Cordoza swallow his pride and, and, and it even took the guys that, uh, uh, that, uh, that Tommy offered from, you know, he said Detroit and Philly and had them all combined. Oh yeah, this is great. Oh, I had to swallow you. Oh yeah. And then takes like the minute they go, huh? All right. You were right. Then he snatches. The thing that's really funny about it too, is he's talking about how hiring all of these black guys that yeah. were from Detroit and all these other places, they work so cheap. It's actually saving him money and he can afford more and more men. But what Tommy was basically doing is bringing these guys in and saying, learn your fucking craft, learn from these guys. You're going to have a pay cut now, but it's still going to be more money than what you had. Uh, and, and then shit's going to get when, real. When the time comes, hail Hydra. <laughs> 
<laughs> yes. Yeah, kind of. I mean, yeah. yeah. It's, it's great. The infiltration. Infiltration. Yeah. That, you know, oh, like you just saw. All these guys were just partying with Tommy at his big party. And he was treating them all. They all slatting them on the back, hooking them up with chicks. Right. Oh, we're, we're, we're brothers now. We're all the best friends. And they'd kill him. Yeah. After he got them to almost forget about their racism and hang out with them. Yeah. Then he's going to use that against them mm-hmm. and basically point out that because they treated him the way that they did when he was coming up, he's doing this now and burning them. Exactly. But the and, problem is that Tommy also is burning himself. Well, because he keeps doing this to everyone you step him. on steps on you when you head down. Well, you it's, know? it's almost like he's climbing to the top and burning the level below him while he's standing on top of like a wood structure. Yeah, exactly. And then didn't realize that he's standing on top of but a I giant pyre. Tommy has end. a very self-destructive it's that attitude. Whole, it's that whole emptiness inside. He also has a self-destructive yeah. plan. I think he has a plan that I don't even know if he wants to succeed for himself as much as he wants to burn everyone around him. He's the slowest suicide bomber that has ever lived. Yes, pretty much. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so anyway, now we've come to Cardoza's brothers out in California and they look like they're having a big party. It's a big to-do. Lots of people around. They're having a big dinner and they are ambushed by uh, Tommy's men and they're all killed. They just, I mean, it's a slaughter. They didn't even have a chance. <laughs> oh, it's great though. Yeah, isn't it? I mean, they just blow them away and then throw all their bodies into the pool. I love the acrobatic backflips and yeah, weird crazy yeah. things the where you can see the guys in. fall into the bush. There's yeah. one guy who falls and gets hurt. Yeah. And then he like, he's like, you see him go, I'm okay, go on. And then he gets up, he tries to hold the gun like he's trying to not blow the tank. It reminded me of a dynamite when yeah. he accidentally hit a motherfucker. <laughs> I was thinking more of like where there's like guys firing guns and then like one guy gets too far over and then you yeah. see that guy's missing. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, like just the little mistakes that you end up noticing and everything. It's fucking great. Yeah, and you're it right. It does call back to. For exactly. anyone who sees that yeah. first, which is a really interesting perspective. I want to actually have you go back and watch Black Dynamite yeah. after we get a couple more of these under your belt. And just really watch it again. Because I think some stuff. of the jokes would hit you oh, even like, more. Oh, it would be even twice as funny. Yeah. So anyway, now we come to McKinney sitting in a room. It looks like there might have been like a party. It looks like probably a New Year's Eve party or a holiday party. Uh, it was definitely so. New Year's Eve because if you look at it, um, there's like the, the end of the year kind of stuff that's yeah. around. But there's Christmas decorations because you the two holidays overlap. This movie spans over many, many years. Well, there's a space of at least two years that we don't even see that ends up yeah. taking place between a major event. Yeah, but, well, that we'll get to, but I, this movie, of course, spans a lot of years. You yeah. know, we, we see a young boy, and he only goes away for two years. That means there are swaths eight. of... He got put away for eight oh, years. Oh, it was eight years. Eight years. Oh, I didn't know it was eight. I thought it was two. When he said I was going away for a couple of years. I think when he comes back and you see him do his first hit, That's I think him. it's right after he got out. Oh, out. okay. Because I think he I, started I, for some in... Reason, I, I thought feel he was like only in for two, so I'm like, wow, there's swabs that we don't get to I feel like he started in juvie, but like in the 70s and like even nowadays, black kids who are underage still get charged as an adult and still get put in a regular prison sometimes. Yeah. Oh my God. Would you have a dime bag? Well, you are now in prison for 50 years. Congratulations. <laughs> uh, what did this white kid do? Uh, he shot up a church. Hmm. Clearly he's disturbed. He must go in for mental evaluation and he'll get probation when he's like 22 and we'll wipe this from his record because, you know, we don't want to ruin his life. <laughs> yeah, basically. Basically. It's but. almost like you're trying to say that the judicial system is set up to disparage and imprison black people. And poor people. And poor people. <laughs> All poor people are fucked by the judicial system. <laughs> Our judicial system is a fucking joke. <laughs> and every fucking judge is a bitch. <laughs> how you feel about cops, that's how I feel about fucking judges. <laughs> Wait, fucking judges? Like they judge people on how they fuck? That too. <laughs> no, those are good judges. <laughs> yes. That's the job I want. <laughs> Unfortunately, you're not very good at judging what good sex is. Those who can't do teach. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yes, but those who can do judge. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know, Lloyd. I think you're going to throw out your back. You do that move too many times. Just saying. <laughs> no, I totally agree with you. Yeah. My thing is, it's street level. Street level is where my hate begins. Obviously, if I dislike a certain part of our judicial system and our government, yeah. which is your local representatives and or your police, uh, it only gets worse the further up it goes. Oof. <laughs> Man. So just extrapolate just, just, that. Just, yeah, just extrapolate. America is a bunch of cunts. We really are. Yeah. Ugh. The older I get, the more I don't understand the national pride because it just doesn't make sense I anymore. I, uh, <laughs> the I'm, more I educate myself, the more horrified I am but, of where and, I come from. And, and the more I read, the more I look, I don't think anyone should have any national pride. I'm sorry, I don't. I mean, it's <laughs> fucked everywhere. <laughs> Maybe we should change that to just human beings are a bunch of cunts. Human beings are a bunch of, like, the more I read, the more fucking nihilistic I get that if an asteroid hit, a fucking no big deal. Well, if you want it replaced, then say it right. Uh, human beings are a bunch of cunts. There, now maybe I can make that a clip. All right. <laughs> Let's get back to the notes. All right. Well, McKinney's sitting in this room. There's been a, like a New Year's Eve party, and another man uh, brings uh, in uh, Tommy, who had been in Mexico. He said, I picked him up right from JFK. He's been in Mexico City, apparently in jail on a traffic uh, violation. Yeah. He goes, he's clean. So they wanted to, all of a sudden, you could tell they wanted to automatically pin what happened in California. Well, it is kind of Tommy's fault, but he's smart enough to know to be in a well, traffic Well, no, t Tommy definitely ordered this hit, but he's keeping himself clean like he wasn't in California. Yeah. And he goes, and McKinney goes, that's an awful mess you did out in California. And Tommy, being smart, goes, I don't read the news. <laughs> I mean, it's just great. Yeah. <laughs> just like, like uh, I don't know what the hell you're talking about. Uh, McKinney uh, comments, he goes, uh, but then Tommy says, but they are giving me all of Cordoza's, uh, you know, territory. And McKinney says, well, they wouldn't let a black person doesn't say that, but you know what I mean. They know. Yeah, they know. Uh, they wouldn't. Uh, the syndicate would never give that kind of territory I to a black person. I should just punch in you going racial slur. Racial slur. Yeah, something. They wouldn't let a racial slur. <laughs> yeah, something. Um, that's a lot of editing. Uh, <laughs> I've seen me do it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, some more men show up, and you you get the feeling because McKinney like shows respect to no one in this whole movie. All of a sudden, gets like really chatty and nervous, voiced with these two guys. So this is see two high guys with this syndicate that, that sit down. I have a feeling that those guys are high up enough to actually order the death of a guy even if he is going to be like captain of a precinct. Yeah, that, that guy could, those two guys on their word could probably like wipe out an entire precinct and not worry about jail time. They have a senator in their back pocket. Yeah, the, yeah. yeah, yeah, definitely. They got somebody big. Yeah. Yeah, so and by senator in their back pocket, I mean that's their that's their go-to. They don't even yeah. bother bribing judges. No. They talk to the senator first. Yeah, yeah, exactly. They 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 would actually like they'd be the guys who would like could attack a judge and get away with it, you know? <laughs> yeah. Like like do all that shit. So anyway, Gibbs gets up and he states that, you know, he won't touch the docks, the unions, the you know, all the stuff that these guys hold dear. He goes, but what I will do is I will make sure all the ghettos stay in line. And he goes, and I'll make sure they don't rise up and he uses more expletives described like Puerto Ricans and black people as being, you know, too hot headed all that and he says no I'll control them you know I'll uh, I'll make sure all the ghettos from not just here but in like Chicago and Philadelphia all the way out to the west coast I'll keep everyone in line if you let me have like Cordoza's area Cordoza's spot 
And pretty much that's what he was alluding to. And the two men nod in agreement and that was it. So he really kind of turned on the charm. Yeah. There's well, a, and also there's... gave them everything they wanted. He said, give me Cordoza's area, although I won't touch the shipping on Cordoza's area. That'll still be yours or the unions or this or that or that. Yeah. It's kind of interesting if you really think about it, what he just basically did was spell out all of the poor people that he was helping before. Supposed to help. Yeah. Clearly not a Robin Hood in this scenario. No. This is where now we start to see Tommy's turn into from like, uh, you know, yeah, go get him. Yeah. To kind of like, ooh, hold on now because you kind of. It's the point here where Tommy is selling out not only his own people, but anybody else who is also underprivileged. Yeah. And you he know, says, I'll keep him on of all your territories. Is yeah. What he says. Yeah. And the idea is that he's basically going to expand out his men and all the people that have been trained and they're going to take over all of the ghettos because they're areas that these guys don't care about. So what he's doing is becoming a national syndicate for those areas yeah. right under their noses. And it's a, actually a pretty brilliant plan. It's a pretty plan, but it's fucking devious hell. And he's kind of undercutting himself at the same time. Yeah. He's trying to grow too big too fast and he doesn't have the manpower yet and the people he can trust. Yeah. This is a really serious demarcation but point for him. When you get to having needing a mad dash for power, like he, um, McKinney was right one way. You're you're an addict on a hundred dollar day habit. And he goes, you're going to crash soon. And power is Tommy's drug of choice. Yeah. And he is heavily addicted to it now. And he's going to keep trying to grab more and more and more and like I said, grow too big for himself without a good base around him. Yeah. And he has a good base around him in his area. But when he starts letting some of his manpower go to handle this, yeah. that's where he starts to fall. And it's only heard through dialogue. You don't actually see people getting deployed to all the other no, cities. No, no. Because all... they don't have the money. Yeah. But you can definitely tell that the people that were with him up until this meeting, like the guys who go do the wet work for him and do all the backflips and fall into the bushes and get hurt and everything. Yeah. Those guys we never see again for multiple reasons. One, they're out there doing this work that he promised will be done yep. for him. And two, we're running out of budget. We got to get moving so we can't <laughs> afford all these extras. Moving. <laughs> Tommy then rapes Helen. Fuck you, movie. Yeah. Um, I don't really want to discuss it. And no, go I don't either. Too much either. He, he, in, in, he legit says, this is where I'll end it. He legit says, because she's still very unsure of where she's at with her relationship with him. She, you know, literally murdered three people in front of her. Well, and he goes, I'm, I'm getting tired of this cold acting. He goes, well, if you want to get raped, fine. I have no problem with that. And then goes, and it's just like, fuck you, movie. You know, fuck you. And fuck you, Tommy. This is where, now it's really over for me. I'm like, fuck you, Tommy. I hope it, it's a bad ending for you, too. If he had any redeeming qualities before this act, we're all off of Team Tommy at this point. Yeah, you, no one could still be on Team Tommy right now. Yeah, well, you could, but you're a psychopath. Yeah, then you're an asshole. Yeah. Um. So anyway, uh, we now see, and that's how much I want to talk about that. So, Rufus... <laughs> it's a hard fucking scene it's, to, to It's take. a hard scene to get in. I mean, it's not short, and it's... It may not be the most brutal and graphic of rape scenes we've seen on this show. But it's emotional. It's heavy emotional. Yeah, the actress who is playing Ellen, Ellen just yeah. fucking plays that so raw yeah. that, like, you're in that moment with her, and you just want to reach into the TV and yeah. pull Tommy off her. Yeah. You really do. It's heart-wrenching. Yeah. It's horrific. Haunting. Yeah. Haunting. Yeah. Haunting. Fuck you, move. Fuck you. Fuck. All right. Anyway, uh, Rufus is, again, out and preaching when an older man comes up. The older man says his name is also Gip. And Rufus said, well, maybe you're related. He goes, I know I am. I am his father. So now we see Rufus. Should have been James Earl Jones playing guy. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Dude, spoilers. So anyway. Uh, Tommy, I am your father. How dare you ruin it for everybody? That's not true. That's not possible. 
Although Tommy wouldn't have played it that way. No, no, no. You fucking lying. That's something like that. <laughs> bullshit. <laughs> That's some bullshit, man. You're fucking lying. So anyway, uh, they're all in the car. Uh, Tommy, Rufus, and his father in the or in a limo, and they're talking. And he said, you know, I was just stopping in for a drink. He goes, I sell cosmetic, mostly to black people in the South. And he goes, and I was just to happen to be in town. I saw you across the street while going to a bar, and I said, I should take this opportunity. And Tommy goes, huh, maybe we should go for a drive to the old neighborhood. And he gets out real quick to talk to, like, some of the people who were chanting for him. Yeah. Uh, and Rufus looks, he goes, tells them, uh, you, you should leave. You just get yeah. out now. Yeah. And he's like, I can understand why my son would say that. He goes, but why would you why, tell me that? But yeah. Why would you tell me that? And he goes, I'm trying. You tell Rufus trying to help. He's like, if you know, just get out his, now. His lips are saying, you should just go. His eyes are saying, dude, he's going to fucking kill you. You're a dead man. <laughs> yeah. I don't want to see you die. I don't want your blood on my hands, figuratively and <laughs> literally. Well, anyway, the old man doesn't listen. And the time he gets back in, they drive back to the old neighborhood. And that is our next clip. That used to be home sweet home, Pa. Top window, rear. Always seemed to me like a much bigger building. You must know what I do for a living. I'm not going to lecture you. I don't have to write. Did it ever occur to you that I've been waiting 25 years just to kill you? No. No, wait. Listen, please. I mean, it was a depression. I mean, you don't know what it was like then. Then the war and my, my chance to get away. You, you never had those responsibilities. I mean, you've never been trapped. Or, or no, not knowing where to run or, 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 who to, or who to hate. I was 20 years old. 20 years old. And I, when I enlisted, and I was a cook. All through the war, I was, I was a cook. You never sent home one allotment check. My mom had to scrub balls on her hands and knees for pennies. I'm going to kill you. She, she couldn't get no allotment. We wasn't married legal. Folks didn't bother much in those days. She never told me. I mean, I could have sent you something. Go on. Start walking. I didn't mean to break it to you that way. I mean, I wouldn't have said it. Don't matter. Move on before I change my mind. Paul. I don't ever want to see you again. I understand. What are you going to do now? Kill your mama. Wow. <laughs> yeah. All right. So Tommy came really close to committing patricide. Yeah. So some of us in this world well, could probably understand a, where he's coming that's from. That's a fancy way. Silly. Say he almost killed his dad. Patricide? Yeah. You're fancy. <laughs> no. Do you put your my pinky out when you take a drink? <laughs> no. No. But I put my pinky out when I'm banging your mom. Damn. <laughs> that's gross. <laughs> You're, you're gross. You're just some gross shit. Uh, you're gross. Mrs. Psyop likes me. She likes my gross. Man, that's gross. <laughs> and then we also see Tommy's problem with his mother being a maid, that his mother never had a problem being a maid, but he saw his mother having to, you know, clean things and all that. So Tommy is a very prideful being. Yes. He seems like he always has been, and he does not like working the service industry or having his mother be a part of the service industry. And I think the fact that she had to scrub floors on her hands and knees for pennies and not have any money and that they were poor made it that much worse for him because they didn't have anything. And, yeah. and so he grew up resenting his father and blaming him for it, even though, as his father kind of says there in the clip, they weren't allowed to have an allotment because they weren't married legal. A lot of people didn't really bother with that back yeah, then. Yeah, they didn't bother getting married. Yeah. You know. And I think that considering that it's like kind of what was he was like World War One or two? I, it was two. Yeah, World War Two. If you think about it, how far back that goes, they probably wouldn't even really have a lot of black folks getting married because of the racial prejudice that was there. They probably wouldn't allow it or they couldn't it was Sound really like, hard yeah, to get that be done really bad. or you couldn't even afford it yeah you know something along those lines which is why he said most
most folks didn't bother with that back then. Yeah. It kind of makes sense. And I think Tommy finding out that he was a bastard makes him feel even more <laughs> shamed and remorseful. Something, yeah, you can tell there's something in his... It breaks Tommy. It does. Like, it really breaks him. Like, that, looks- what little bit of pride in who he thought he was. It wasn't that his father abandoned him. It was just that he couldn't get the money back. They wouldn't allow him to yeah. get the allotment or anything like that. And he obviously couldn't afford to send it back. And, yep. and he's like, he's even remorseful for it. And this breaks Tommy. Tommy's not used to someone well, who's trying to say he's sorry. And also, it's he spent so long demonizing the man that now seeing it from this side, it's like, well, his whole entire world's been flipped. Yeah. It's kind of hard to deal with the fact that the father that you've been demonizing forever isn't the bad guy you always think of. How you doing over there? I'm good. Yeah? Yeah. Everything all right? Yeah. Do I yeah. sound like I'm? I, mean, well, I don't know. I Did you, didn't say anything. What's wrong with you? I just I just get that glazed over look at your eye, looking far away like you weren't really here in the moment. I'm feeling a lot farther away than I should be. Oh, here we go. Just do the notes. I'll be fine. Okay. All right. Do you- I said do the fucking notes. Okay. 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 It's how he's breaking. Anyway. So now we see Tommy's kind of sitting there. He's on the phone arguing about how he's going to send men back in body bags and all that if they keep creeping up into his territory. Um, Helen comes into the room and he gives her a dress for California. But then she pretty much throws it away. Like throws it like you know, away from her. And he leaves the room and Tommy goes, why does every time I give someone a gift, they throw it away? You know, throw it back in my face. It's because you figuratively and literally raped everyone around you. Yes. it's <laughs> you, Including Helen horrifically. You, you dumb prick. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, he's materialistic enough to where he thinks that getting things Buying like materials things, yeah. will make it okay. Because if you were bought things when he was younger, it would have fixed him in, in his mind's eye. Yeah. So it makes him happy to have all these things and must make everyone else happy. Well, he's trying to fill this emptiness and this hole that's inside of him yeah. with gifts and monetary value and Pos- achievements. Possessions. Possessions. Physical things. Power. Yes. Like things that make him not feel like the kid that well, had a shine box when he was little. You yeah, know? and doesn't, you know, actually get to the root of any of the problems. Yeah, yeah. I, I totally understand where he's coming from there. Yeah, oh, no. Just do the fucking notes. Okay. Yep, try to fill that big hole in your heart with the podcast by <laughs> screaming into the ether. I feel you. Well, I do need constant updates and adulation yeah. and constant external validation. Go to the Cinemasaya page on <laughs> Facebook.com. Like all of my posts and tell me that you love me. Please. <laughs> Tommy and Joe are watching Helen sing and Tommy, uh, Joe is like, now that things have calmed down, we can get building the youth centers and all this stuff that Joe bought that Tommy said he wanted to improve the black neighborhood. Yeah, all the promise of improving and making a better life for kids like Tommy. Yeah. And now Tommy's uh, failing on that. Well, and Tommy said, well, some brains you are. He goes, they're getting ready to hit us hard. And so I need to send the muscle out to like Troy and all these places. I have to be things prepared. He goes, things are going to get a little too hot here. So he goes, I want, I, I need, you know, I want to protect you. I want to protect Helen. So I'm going to send you both out to California, get one of the big mansions out late in Beverly Hills and get her a, a singing career started. And if like her records don't sell, you buy them so that, you know, apparently so she feels good because he's worried about her fucking feeling, you know, <laughs> prick. <laughs> she's responding less and less when he rapes her. So he's worried about how she must be feeling emotional. I mean, she just doesn't seem invested in the relationship. Yeah. Object of his sexual gratification, oddly not happy today. <laughs> Also known as Helen. Yeah. <laughs> Codename Helen. Yeah. Ugh. You would think with a mother like he had who was working so hard to take care of him, he would have a little more respect women. Nope, nope, nope. That didn't happen. No. Not for Tommy. Well, anyway, here's one of those moments where we're going to get where the music is spot on for the scene. Tommy's mom dies it, while we're at the funeral at a graveyard and Rufus is there with Tommy. Uh, pretty much, it's a song called My Mama's Dead. Oh, no, so it's, it's called, called It's Mama's Dead. It's yeah, Mama's, Mama's Dead. Dead. Yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah. Rufus is visibly shaken. 
shaken by that. Um, because you know he liked her a lot, and actually does start praying for her. And Tommy gives him permission to do whatever he needs. And while he's praying for her, Tommy kind of is walking out of the cemetery and runs into his father. And that is our next clip. What are you doing here? Came by to pay my respects to your mom. Didn't anybody else come? Your girl or anybody? No, they weren't invited. Invited or not, I've come to say goodbye to that woman. She was my wife's son. Paul, how's everything? Pardon? I said, you need anything? I'm fine. Thanks. Would you like to come stay with me, Paul? No, I travel a lot. <laughs> and he's looking for anything now to try to grasp onto. I can't say I blame his father because within five, ten, maybe fifteen minutes of meeting him, he took him out somewhere to go kill him. Yeah, yeah. But now, you know, I don't know. All, all it takes is you're there, you're drunk around him. Like yeah. he's, he's drunk he, around he has you for one like emotional moment. And then five, ten minutes. Kaplooey. Yeah, you're flying out a fucking you know twenty fifth story window of a fucking high rise. And having lived like that with a family member, I can understand why he wouldn't want to go do that. Are you the family member? No. Oh, I thought maybe it's just living with yourself like that. God damn it. I'm always the victim, Matt. Oh, God. Even oh. when I'm not. Oh, boy. <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> No, but when you live a yeah. life where you have to walk on eggshells because you don't know when that particular person is going to go off, it's like that. Yeah. What the fuck is that supposed to mean? Sorry. I'm so sorry. Oh, sorry. Yeah. I find you so threatening, man. Fuck you. <laughs> I can play around with the bit, motherfucker. <laughs> sorry. I just, I, I can't really even pretend like I'm intimidated by you in any way, shape, or form. No, I'll have to take a shit on your desk now. <laughs> That's not intimidating. That's disgusting. There's I know. a difference. <laughs> That's just me being mad at you. <laughs> You're like a cat. You're going to vomit in protest over no, me not. No, I'm going to vomit. That's disgusting. What's wrong with you? <laughs> oh, sure. Because I'm into Roman showers and not German Shiza. Exactly. Clip. <laughs> oh, man. Okay. So anyway, <laughs> after all that, Tommy comes home to um, find the lawyer's wife is there. And she wants to try to seduce him. And he's not having any of that. Well, her seductive technique is to sprawl out on his couch in the yeah. most unseductive pose there. Yeah possibly could be. Yeah. And then just point at her naughty bits, basically. Yeah. <laughs> right here. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, I have this. I know men usually like that. Yeah. Tommy's <laughs> like, good God almighty, we get the fuck out of my house. <laughs> She's about as seductive as Maria Bamford could be. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know that weird, yeah, yeah, awkward yeah. kind of like just, uh-huh. just laying it all out there kind of thing? Hopefully Maria does ever listen to this show or else she'll be like, well, motherfucker. <laughs> no, I'm talking like when she's in character. Oh, in character. Oh, yeah. Especially when she's doing one of those voices. It's like, yeah. holy shit. No, like, okay, a perfect yeah. example is Maria Bamford in Arrested Development as the methadone yes. addicted ex-heroin right, addict. Now I get it. When she's trying to be seductive there, yeah. that's what this lady reminded me Exa- of. Well, that lady probably is all hopped up on methadone. Or something. Because you can tell she's all fucked up. <laughs> anyway, as he is throwing her out of the house, she says, well, she brings up that, you know, maybe you should check on your best friend and your girl, maybe look into what they're getting into. It because, you know, everyone else knows. So, oh, damn. Everybody knows that the dice are loaded. Yeah, right. So, anyway, uh, Tommy goes out to California and walks in the house and sees them both in their robes and uh, walks up there and proceeds to, oh, beat the ever-loving shit out of Joe while a very wailing and crying Helen just wants it to stop and begs him not to kill him. He's screaming things like, how dare you comfort and love my rape victim? It's really bizarre. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Almost He's a like, clip. <laughs> it's a horrific one, but yeah. It's a horrific clip. Hey, 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 hey. Let's watch about how horrific your clips are. All right. <laughs> I usually am quite reserved in the things I say compared to some people in this room. 
Well, not all the time, but <laughs> but I run Barter Town, so I decide who gets the yeah, clip. Exactly and who right. <laughs> but if I say something horrific, I'll use. It. Yeah, you do. Actually, I can't even. I can't <laughs> doubt that on you. When you say something epically horrific, you're like, oh fuck, I gotta use that. Yeah, <laughs> I'm an equal opportunity harasser. Like, like sometimes you listen to it. I bet you're like, mm, no, I'm not gonna use it. Nope, because uh, I run Barter Town. But your OCD goes, no, you gotta use it. Fuck, fine. No, the part of me that wants to put out a good show knows yeah. that I have to use yeah, it. Yeah. <laughs> like, uh, it's uh, too uh, good not to use. Shit! Yeah. <laughs> I hate you. I'm talking to you, me. <laughs> I'm talking to you, brain. <laughs> Stop being me, you. Finally, um, he goes, "How could you do this?" He to throws me? him down the stairs. Yeah, and then and he picks him up and like fucking choke slams him into yeah. the gra- like into the living room. And punches area. him a shit ton, and then he said, "You know, I'm, I'm going to have to kill you because you know, how could you do this to me with one of my own people?" And then Joe tears into Gib, saying, "I'm not one of your people." What do you mean, your people? <laughs> what do you mean, your people? Oh wait, no, that wasn't. You that was, no, I'm sorry, yeah, that was you're them. in the character's yeah, voice. Yeah, 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 I'm yeah, confused. yeah, yeah. All right, yeah, yeah, Joe. What do you mean, you people? <laughs> no, seriously, Joe, we're confused. What did yeah, you mean, your you people? Mean? Well, then he calls him a white end bomb. Yeah, uh, Joe yeah. calls him that and saying, you know, you didn't, you turned pretty much, you know, tearing him down for turning against everything that they originally were going to do. And, you know, all the people who he promised he would help and say he's no better than any of the people who he's taken down so far. Well, essentially, what he's trying to say is, you made us all think you were going to be robbed. Robin Hood, but you ended up becoming Walter White. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You, well, I mean, and, and quite in, literally, he becomes Walter White yeah. by the end. In Joe's, in Joe's opinion, probably he's worse than those other people because I mean, you're stabbing your own people in the back at this point. Yeah, he's like, like an Joe's actual crack dealer. Yeah. You're poisoning your own people when you're selling it on your own corners in your own neighborhoods. That hits Tommy kind of in the heart, you know, when he says that, and he does leave without killing either one of them. The spring goes out of his spine. Yeah, just, and he even says something to her where he's like, "You." Pick the one man that you could leave me for that you knew I wouldn't murder. Yeah. Yeah, because the kids that he grew up around are almost like his extended family and brother. Well, it's Rufus yeah. and, and, and Joe. Joe, especially those two, yeah. are, are kind of the most important to him. And yeah, he, he I, I think he still was going to try to kill Joe until Joe went on that rant on him. And I think that kind of snapped him to a, a reality that he couldn't, you know, he was, I think in his mind's eye, he was still living as the good guy. You know, the, he was still living as Robin Hood in his mind's eye. And now he just got slapped with reality and he and he leaves. Motherfucker, you're worse than all the people that you tried to take away from our neighborhoods. Yeah, right? I mean, ouch, you know? You didn't clean it up. You just took their place like, and made it worse. you like walking past Robin Hood and going, thanks a lot, Sheriff, you know? <laughs> Jeez, Nottingham part two. Yeah, what else are you gonna do to us, huh? <laughs> Jesus. Now we come to uh, McKinney, the lawyer, and one of McKinney's men are playing pool, and that is our next clip. Seems like our little friend has lost his charm where's the key to the safe deposit box keeps her with him all the time as long as he has those ledgers we can't touch him what's to stop us from touching his associates one by one he has the best bodyguards money can buy now how's he gonna react when you start killing his people He's not going to know who's doing it. What does he mean by his people? I don't know. (laughs) What do you mean by his people? What I would mean is by the people who work for him. Yeah, I think that's what he too. Oh, I'm just really on guard with this movie. Me too. Really uncomfortable. I think that was the one time he wasn't saying something racist. Right? The one time. I think he was legit saying like he was concerned about. The people who work for him. Yeah. If you kill the people who work for him. Then it makes it easier to kill him. It's quite literally the only time in this film that a white person looks at a black person as a person. Yeah. (laughs) 
in this movie. Hey, progress. Kind of. <laughs> kind of. Yeah. Maybe we'll take a win. Uh, Let's take him where we can get him in this movie. I guess, right? Um, and then we have a killing montage where all of uh, uh, Tommy's men are being murdered by this one guy who must be like McKinney's main henchman. Uh, I don't ever get his name, so I don't know. I just always call him McKinney's henchman. <laughs> and uh, he kind of just goes out on a killing spree on everybody. All those white racist people look the same to me. Pretty much. Uh, we then come to McKinney and the lawyer visiting Helen and appears as this is now a few years later because Helen has uh, about a, what about a two-year-old child and a brand new baby. It's and, been two years exactly. Yeah, two years exactly. And that is our next clip. We would like to ask you some questions about your husband, Joseph Washington Jr. and about his long association with Thomas Gibbs. Joe doesn't work for Tommy anymore. Mrs. Washington, we have enough evidence to put your husband behind bars for at least five years. Well, why are you telling me about it? Because we don't want your husband. You know damn well that Tommy and I have been in business. He's had his way long enough. Now it's my turn. But I need a friend. Somebody close to Tommy. Tommy hasn't had a steady woman since you left. He'd be glad to see you. I can't do this to him. Look what he did to you. From Beverly Hills to a shitty furnished apartment. You can't get a job as a singer. Your husband can't get a job as a lawyer. You um, just had another nice little baby, didn't you? You've got responsibilities. I don't think Tommy would lift a finger to help you. I know he would. The ledgers again, right? That's how I first met Tommy. He used me. This time, it'll be for myself. You can't go in there! Now I'm gonna take it easy. Just, just, just make it easy now. Do what he says and everything will be alright. Just want to remind you, don't make any mistakes. I had to fucking pick a clip with a fucking screaming baby in it. Why do you think I picked that clip? It took me so much to just cut around that as best I could. I know. Oh my god, that baby. Yeah, that scene was so not important, but I really wanted that clip in there. <laughs> <laughs> You know what else is not important? My life, and, I know. And babies in general. Yeah, probably, yeah. Well, I don't have a baby anymore, so I could say, yeah, you're probably right. <laughs> Circle slash baby, goddammit. <laughs> anyway, so Helen visits Tommy, and uh, she sleeps with him. Uh, and there's nudity, and you might say, oh, hi, thanks, movie, because, you know, she's not being raped, but she's still being coerced into doing this. This is still rape. No. This is still very much rape. Yeah, this is, she's being coerced, but the person pulling the trigger is the yeah, fucking other guy. But racist. This is still Pink very Tom, much yeah. a rape. It's, yeah. Even though she appears even though Tommy's to be... unaware of it, this is still very much a rape. Yeah. Ugh. And it's really uncomfortable and it goes yeah. on for a really long time. Yeah. yeah. It's almost like this movie even tried to make it sexual and sensual. And I'm like, it's it, it felt uncomfortable the whole time. They're trying to play it up for titillation, but in the modern day era, you know, it's like the Pete Vankman thing where like you look at it now and you're like, yeah, that's not charming. Yeah, that's not, that's, that's not romantic. That's, that's, this is not sensual. That's a rape. <laughs> this is a non-violent rape is yes, what's happening here. that's exactly right. Yeah, it's exactly what we're seeing. Ugh. Anyway, as Tommy sleeps, she's able to steal the keys for the safe deposit box. Uh, and then she's able to leave saying that she would call him later. Uh, we now find out that McKinley, uh, McKinney is commissioner, so he did make commissioner. Finally. Uh, I was thinking captain, but it's farther up. He's a commissioner. Yeah, he's commissioner. And the lawyer's now talking to him and says he has the books. And then what we're going to find out later is a mistake in the lawyer's part in which he says no I will keep them here with me and they will be safe so the lawyers already start to turn against McKinney saying he won't give up the ledgers that are gonna, he's going to keep them with him 
but also stating that he sees a note that um, letting him know that Tommy will be at Tiffany's at 1 p.m. Uh, the next day to buy a gift for uh, Helen. For Helen, which uh, my God, man, that man has his day planned out. I don't know where I'm going to be at one o'clock on any given day. That guy already said a note. He's going to be at Tiffany's at one o'clock. Well, this is before there were cell phones, texting, and all that other stuff. Yeah. So you did have to plan you out like your a day. planner, particularly if you're somebody like Tommy who needs to be reached. You know, they would probably get a call at Tiffany's for him. Yep. And then he'd have to go to an outside line. This uh, this leads to an assassination attempt the next day, and Tommy is shot in the gut. Um, he's trying to get away, and you could tell it's mixed in with scenes of McKinney getting a phone call from his guy, and McKinney pretty much saying, don't worry, it's fine, just keep on him. He can't take an ambulance, because if he gets into a police ambulance, they'll take care of the rest. So pretty much, he knows if he goes to any hospital or anywhere, he's going to die. They'll, they'll just finish the job. Yeah, they have a way to get rid of him all through the city. Yeah. This chase scene, even though it is not as more fast-paced like you would get in a mm-hmm. modern chase scene. It's a pretty good chase the, scene. The tension is there the entire With time. With a cab driver who doesn't give a fuck as long as you give him $500. That motherfucker's up on the sidewalk with the most express in his face possible. Fucking A. I love this cab driver. Ten stars would use again. <laughs> yeah, he's definitely a Lyft driver that you'd want. Oh, yeah. He gives him 500 bucks to mount the curb, yeah. and then the guy stops, and then he has to get around something else at a some point. A truck. Or no, no, the, the, guys, the guys are still keeping up with him. Yeah. So he gives him like another 500 bucks and he backs over one of the guys trying yeah. to shoot him. Yeah. And then the guy hangs on and he's like, he's going to shoot me. He's going to shoot <laughs> so me. So he stops and the guy flies yeah. off. Fred Williamson plays the terror there that he yeah. feels like he's going to die. Yeah. And he drops all that tough guy persona thing that you actually he's see. He's almost back to being that scared kid. Kid, yeah. Yep. There's a lot of that, that sound in his voice and the way that he's actually shouting out. Yeah. I think they really did a good job of, of keeping continuity with this character and he doesn't just always remain the stalwart badass. He's actually a scared little kid who is acting out and lashing out throughout his entire life. Yeah. And he puts on this facade of being a tough guy when deep inside he's this scared little boy who's just looked to not feel lonely and sad and hate himself anymore. Exactly. Yeah. Um. Anyway, at one point, uh, he's able to get the drop on McKinney's man and chokes him out death and leaves him on a park bench and puts a newspaper on top of his face like he's just a homeless guy asleep. Another homeless guy mumbles, he just killed that man. <laughs> he just killed that man. But he's all drunk and he's like, so fucked yeah. up. Yeah, you could have played that role. Oh, I could have nailed that shit. <laughs> Uh, Tommy visits Rufus, who's now bought into the whole prayer thing. Like, you know, he's a legit preacher. He thinks he's a faith healer. He's not yeah. just a money launderer. We totally stepped over that and never even commented on it. What? What a brilliant scheme to launder your money. You even get tax yeah. evasion perfect in that. Oh my God. It was, it's such a brilliant course to go. I think I feel a new religion coming on, Matt. Go on. <laughs> <laughs> Here's how it's going to work, Matt. All right. We're going to scam people, Matt. I was blind and now I can see. We're going to take their money, Matt. Court's got the healing hand. We're not going to let the taxes be taken from us. Psyop Church, baby. Holler! <laughs> well, while visiting Rufus, Rufus says, oh, I'll heal you. I'm going to heal you. Like, starts praying to heal him. Like, Rufus has gone off the deep end. And, and the whole time he's trying I think to- he's cracking under the pressure, yeah. too. And every time he's trying to talk to him, he's like, Rufus, you got to help me get the ledgers. That's the only thing that's going to save me. We got to go We gotta go to the bank, get the ledgers. We got to get the ledgers. And he won't shut up to the point where Tommy smacks him. And Rufus is just kind of sitting there whining and crying. And then Tommy leaves because, like, Rufus is gone. 
gone. Rufus has gone bye-bye, Egon. What do you got? <laughs> I'm terrified beyond all capacity to think right now. Yeah. Everything's crumbling around Tommy yeah. all at once. So Tommy then calls Joe, but Helen picks up and she hangs up. He calls back and Joe does answer. And he lets him know about McKinney, that they're making their move and they shot. Joe does say that these, his only shot is those ledgers and uh, and uh, Tommy still thinks they're in the safe deposit box. And so Joe says, I'll meet you at the lawyer's office and then we'll go get him. And Helen tries to stop Joe from leaving, but doesn't, if she would have flat out just told the truth, some things later on may not have happened. Like Joe may not have gone. Yeah. But she should have. She should have. Yeah. Here's where now I'm like, well, Helen, you made a really bad decision here because you set him on a fool's errand because she knows that they're not there anymore. Are there any good people in this movie at all? Well, and it's not that Helen's bad. She made a bad decision there, but Helen's scared. And I mean, for just saying, for how many years has she been kind of like a prisoner and constantly raped by this dude? It, I mean, she's mentally just not there anymore. She's been victimized so long, she doesn't know how to not be a victim. Well, she's been, and also she's been victimized so long that she has now a good life with Joe, like, like you know, not a famous life, but a life like a safe life. And she's worried about if she tells the truth, she's going to lose him. And by not telling the truth, well, we'll get there. <laughs> Um, Gee, if people haven't watched the film, they pretty much can piece it together anyway. What? I didn't say that, that Joe died. Fuck. <laughs> two and two equals four anyway, man. Yeah, that's true. So anyway, uh, at this point, we're back at the lawyer's office and we hear a gunshot. We see that McKinney has murdered the lawyer and he's just sitting in his chair with the gunshot wound to his head. Um, and she once again, when then this we, we see the scene where she's begging Joe not to go, but he goes anyway. They feel, they both still feel a caring for Tommy, which is kind of weird. Uh, Joe more so than her but joe has the childhood growing up with him and those kind of ties yeah. and everything that joe has even though all of it had been taken from him is still kind of credited to what tommy did in tommy's yeah. ambition well joe runs into mckinney at the lawyer's office and while holding him at gunpoint mckinney pretty much tells joe that helen helped set up tommy that he's got the ledgers and uh how helen helped set up tommy by uh sleeping with him and said uh but she didn't mind all that much and that sets joe into a range and mckinney shoots him in the head so <laughs> pointing the gun straight up in the air yeah and somehow the top of joe's head comes off yes exactly <laughs> don't you bring logic into this well no there's a very good reason for that because even when you're firing a blank yeah. at that close and near the head you can kill somebody yeah so it's still even pretty dangerous to shoot it straight up in the air uh -huh. but they did it so quick that like unless you're really looking yeah you and didn't. you slow it down and you got a blu-ray you wouldn't know <laughs> Yeah, we know what you did on Saturday night. So anyway, it was Sunday last night. night. Yeah. Sunday night. Uh, I watched Westworld. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I made Westworld references. Yeah, I know. Already. So Tommy gets to the office and is jumped by McKinney. And uh, there's somewhat of a scuffle, not too much of one this time. It's important to note that Tommy is still slowly be bleeding out from that gut yeah. shot. So while uh, McKinney has him under uh, gunpoint, that goes to our next clip. You killed your partner. Then you resisted arrest. How many of my people did you pay off, McKinney? You ought to know. Everybody's on the take. I was reading them ledgers of yours. A lot of important names in there. Just shut your fat mouth, McKinney! <laughs> I brought you a present. My shoes are all scuffed. You shine them up for me like you used to do. Pick it up. Bring it over here. And you kneel down here. Shine them real good. I want to see my face in them. I'm in a real hurry, so you shine them up fast. 
This is pretty much like another rape scene, man. Yeah, it is. It's pretty brutal. It's really weird how it calls back to the very beginning of the movie. You always see my face in them, one of them fat. Yeah, it's bad. He's literally trying to degrade Tommy and quote-unquote put him in his place. Yeah, you're probably right. There really isn't any good people in this movie. I mean, like, the closest ones we get are like Joe and Helen, but even they are doing some pretty questionable things. But Joe was involved on, well, Joe was the brains. He was still involved in probably the planning of, you know, or at least working with money that came from mass murder of other people. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. You know, it, it doesn't make you all that great. You know, just that, oh, I was just the brain, you know, and I, and I wanted to do some good with that money. That's still blood money. Yeah. Maybe Helen, think, you know, what's yeah, kind of all I, I, Helen is, while she made a, a bad decision that led to Joe's death, she also was very much coerced into that and very much is a victim throughout more, more of this movie than anything else. Yeah. And maybe kind of, possibly, sort of, his dad? No. Tommy's dad? No, nah, his dad still skipped out. Dead I mean, dad. Yeah, I mean, he could have came back after World War II and, and helped raise He could have still sent them money. Yeah, yeah, I mean, you know. He's still a bad guy, too. Yeah, he's still a pretty bad dude. Ugh, damn it. <laughs> yep. So, uh, Tommy then is able to get the drop on McKinney and starts beating him down, and then he gets a little bit of payback, and that brings us to our final clip. I'm gonna make you real pretty, McKinney. Uh, yeah. Uh-huh. Good black Kenny? Yeah. And mama even recognize you now, Kenny. Kenny? Uh, now, I hear you sing, huh? Uh, sing one of them good old master tunes, huh, Kenny? Uh, I bet you even like Joe, son, oh. huh? Now, come on, give me one of them tunes. Mammy, huh? Sing Mammy for me! Sing! Mammy! Sing it! Mammy! Sing it right! Alabama! that son of a bitch to death. That's a really, really, like, for multiple reasons, uncomfortable clip. Yeah. Like, cutting that together was one of the harder things I had to do. And I and I knew it would be, but I'm like, yeah. God, it, it is so important. I mean, like, there's some stuff in there where he has him singing the minstrel stuff. Like, because it's a role reversal where a black man is trying to degrade a white man who is a racist using the same kind of things that they would use against yeah. him, like, I'm kind of okay with it, but it's still super uncomfortable. But And also, it's the same two men who started this road that one day that apartment just think of how many lives were lost from that interaction like all the things Tommy did was because of that education and all the plans he ever did all the all the things he did from taking over how many men were killed in the takeover yo uh, when he took over from the mafia all that uh, area just think of all the people that are dead because of this first interaction and now it ends this way it's sort of the idea of the whole hurricane triggered by butterfly wings one race racist cop beats one black kid and then it's mirrored throughout the whole film where you see yeah. the, the rise and then the fall yeah. and then it all comes down to at the end of his life, at the end of what he has and the end of all of his empire crumbling beneath him, he finally breaks and beats that fucking cop to death yeah. after what he did to him. And there's a lot of that stuff where there's a lot of duality and mirror images of what's happening. Yeah. And that's the weird thing about McKinney and Tommy. They are almost two sides of the same coin. 
Yes. You know, they, they like I don't think Tommy hates anything more than he hates Kenny. Oh, McKinney is and white people in general. <laughs> white people in general, but I yeah. think McKinney is a special place, you know, yeah. of what he hates. Well, because of the yeah, he Kenny is McKinney is the embodiment of everything. Yeah. Because of him breaking his leg and beating him like did. And it's just man, there's there's just it's so nihilistic and so empty by the end of the film. Uh-huh. And we're well, not even it. done with how nihilistic and empty it is. Well, as he still bleeds out, uh Tommy grabs the ledgers and he heads back to the old neighborhood, his old building, in fact. Yeah. And he was stumbling there and there are some other uh kids out there. We're all kind of now all this is played to music. You don't hear any more dialogue. Nope. It's all played to music, but you tell there's they're speaking to one another. Like Tommy's speaking to the kids. Kids are kind of yelling towards him. And you can tell Tommy through all this is trying to like smooth talk his way to these kids. Well, the kids don't seem to be buying anything he's saying. And the kids all kind of jump down. They all have kind of makeshift weapons. They all surround him. And then they all start beating him to death as we draw out, you know, the camera draws out. It's just he's down on the ground. They've kind of all surrounded. You don't even see him anymore. They're all surrounding him. And they're all beating him with their their makeshift weapons. It's important to point out, too. He ends up running from them at some point. Yeah. And he drops the ledgers. And when he yeah. tries to get through a door with what he has left, uh-huh. and you actually see pages tearing out, and he's still clutching pages, but the like two or three of the ledgers fall. The camera focus on this. Yeah. So it's real important. And they do the beating. They remove his watch. They take a bunch of stuff that would be of immediate value to them. But these ever so precious ledgers, the very source of his power, yeah. just gets swept in and so much other garbage that's already in that alleyway. Yeah, it's gone. Like all of them are just kind of buried underneath all that garbage and he has a few pages clutched to his hand. Yeah. And then you see his hand slack, like as if he is yeah. dying or something. Yeah. And then the camera pulls out. Yeah. I was just going to get to that. That's, wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's just wow. And end movie. <laughs> end movie. <laughs> well, the end. <laughs> what else do we say? Roll credits here. Oh, like. roll credit. Yeah. Do that too. <laughs> You're such a fuck up. Oh, I fail upwards though. It's a very powerful film. That that ending is yeah. stark, man. I always remember and it. I love with that ending with no dialogue, just the music. I love that. <laughs> that was so like really hardcore. I mean, I don't know why, but that just made it more. I don't know, not emotional, but more uh, uh, suspenseful, powerful, powerful, powerful yeah, and suspenseful. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I really enjoyed that too. I actually always remember this film as being more fun and more enjoyable and more of a rise to power and revenge tale mm-hmm. than it actually is. I mean, watching it now for this show and trying to watch it with a more critical eye yeah. instead of just sitting back and trying to enjoy it, you start seeing things in the film and you start seeing things about the characters that you never really paid attention to when you watched it before. Exactly. And I have no heroes. It's completely nihilistic. It's empty. It's everything I love about 70s film, yeah. particularly 70s crime dramas. And after watching this and then when we talked about how Brawl in Cell Block 99 actually emulates a lot of these kind of films. Do you see yeah. where we're coming I, from? Yeah, totally. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah, you totally can see it. And obviously Black Dynamite being a parody of these kinds of things. There's a lot of Black Caesar in Black Dynamite. Yes. A lot. Uh, an epic lot. Yeah. yeah. And it's mostly an overall storytelling like tone that has those points to it. Yeah. But, you know, they mishmashed a bunch of these different types of films from the genre there. Uh-huh. But it's actually like the part about his brother dying and the funeral song for his brother, the way those yeah. shots are composed, the way he's standing by the graveside. Yeah. They are emulating that scene in Black oh, yeah, Caesar. And time. I think I said that when we cover the film that that is like down to the fact that mm. it's like Jimmy's dead is the name of the song. Yeah, that they're Jimmy's playing dead. Along with it. Yeah, it's very close to that and yeah. it's almost emulating it almost Oh, perfectly. big time. Yeah. But this is such a powerful film. The Blu-ray looks amazing. There's not a lot as, as far as special 
special features go. Yeah. But it's not my favorite Fred Williamson film, but this is definitely the most powerful that I think of. It's It, it really gets you because, yes, it is incredibly nihilistic and there's just no, <laughs> like, you don't feel good about the ending, you know? No yeah. one feels, well, I mean, you feel good about, like, because it was a good, well put together movie, that, that type of thing. You don't yeah. feel good about how it ended, you know? What if I told you this was a remake of a early Edward G. Robinson film? Really? Yeah. Nice. Little Caesar. Little Caesar. Yeah, which I do believe is actually the first talkie gangster film that was made with Little oh, Caesar. Oh, wow. Yeah, I'm, I might be wrong on that. Don't yeah. don't hold me to that all out there, gentle listeners. But yeah. if I remember correctly, it was one of the first ones that actually had sound. And it's that old, but it's basically the exact same story. Mm. There's a few things that they brought in for like the black exploitation elements, but it's the same thing where a guy has to fight his way into an organization and get respect the whole way up. Yeah. And the power gets to his head and, and that kind of thing. And he goes a little well, overboard. Well, I mean, in a lot of gangster movies have all followed that formula. Oh, yeah. Like, like you know, Scarface, you know, <laughs> all that kind of, you know, yeah. a lot of gangster movies follow the way up and then the person reads that pinnacle of power and then always somebody's there to take him down. Casinos is kind of the same way. Well, uh, the reason that a lot of them follow that way is because that's the path. Yeah, that is the path. You, when you burn Especially that bright, you burn out families. that much faster. Yeah. yeah. I mean, just someone's going to take you down. Yeah. Someone's Somebody always, always wants your position. Your, yeah. Everyone wants your spot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The movie's great. I fucking movie's love great. this movie. I can't say enough good things about it. You got to check it out. Definitely, if you haven't seen it, for fuck's sake, go back and watch it. Even the way that we covered it, there's still plenty of stuff to oh, see. Yeah. yeah. But it is definitely uncomfortable and it's definitely violent. And, and remember brutal. while watching it that we are the only two <laughs> who should be able to speak of the experience of this movie. We are the most well-versed. Yeah. As, as Midwestern white men, only we have the ability to tell you what life is like. The, about the black experience <laughs> in, in America. America. <laughs> Specifically the time frames of the mid-1970s to the mid-1980s. Because we weren't alive and we're only going by what pop culture has taught us from those eras. And obviously pop culture would never lie to us. Yeah. Things are never smoothed over or made worse. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, let's take a little break here. We'll play a little bit of music and when we come back we will do the PSYOP news. Throughout the history of the horror genre, there have been those that say horror is for the weak-minded. We, here at the Little Pod of Horrors, do not take kindly to such derisive inference. We are the bastions of tact, good taste, and highbrow horror discussion. Look no further discerning listener, for here, the world of modern horror is discussed with reverence, respect, and similitude of decorum. Such a bitch. <laughs> hey, everybody. This is Tim Dorn, and you are listening to The Little Pod of Horrors. Even the people who hate horror love to talk about horror because they love to talk about how much they don't like horror. I don't know. Do you want me to Google horror movie Ghost in the Attic? Hi, I'm Nacho Vigalondo, director of Time Crimes and Open Windows. And you know what? I'm listening to The Little Pod of Horrors. Seriously, though, join us for festival reviews, interviews, and guest spots from fellow beloved broadcasters. <laughs> See? I told you I'd f*** it up. <laughs> My name's Gareth Evans, you're listening to The Little Pot of Horrors. Bisexualized horror, do you mean horror? No. <laughs> no, exactly. I'm going to bleep that now. <laughs> Hello, this is number one New York Times bestselling horror author Scott Sigler, and you are listening to The Little Pod of Horrors, which does for podcasting what Chucky does for daycare. The Little Pod of Horrors. The best idea since premarital sex on Halloween. Come find us on simplysyndicated.com and on iTunes. If you dare.
little bit of chase music, man. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> this is from the chase scene. Yeah. It's even just called chase. I know. <laughs> Good stuff. Yeah, makes me want to run. No, it doesn't. Nothing makes you want to run. No, you know what makes me want to run, Matt? What's that? Give me some psyop news. Share to us by our friend Scott. This Scott actually has a new podcast, a podcast by the cemetery. Oh, okay. All right, well, this is shared by Scott from Podcast by the Cemetery. Podcast by the Cemetery. Yeah. It's an article from Deadspin. Woman fiercely shits on floor of Tim Hortons and throws it at employees. Of course, you're going to pick the one where somebody shits somewhere. Well, yeah. <laughs> I just shit myself while reading that. So notice that I never grab any of those clips because I know that you actually like talking about shitting yourself. I love shitting myself. So. A woman in Canada was so incensed about something Tim Hortons employees did or didn't do that she dropped her pants, took a dump on the floor, and threw it. It's like a sprinkler going off. <laughs> Grabbed some napkins to wipe her ass and threw those two and then left. This is like traces of death fucked a porno. There is no pixelation in the sped up live leak video associated with the story. And you're going to see everything that this woman, full of rage and previously turds, does to forever sully the floor of this Tim Hortons located in Langley, British Columbia. I think but that's going in the spank bank. Did she apologize afterwards? <laughs> I don't know. Sorry. That's a pretty shitty thing, too. Oh, uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, what's particularly baffling, aside from the obvious, is the other customers who don't really react to what's happening. Maybe that's because the tasteful barrier has censored most of it, or maybe it's because there's really nothing to do when a human decides to take a spiteful shit and fling it. You want to do a little ass play? Uh, I, I bet she's into it. <laughs> <laughs> that's just bizarre. I, I don't even have clips that would according, cover that. According to Abbotsford, uh, Abbotsford News, this all went down Monday around 6.15 p.m. And there's a lot of weighing around. Probably. Police arrested the woman in the parking lot and are still determining charges. I'm homosexual. Well, Always you, looking for weighing. decent exposure, right? <laughs> what did I just say? I'm homosexual. Always looking for weighing. <laughs> Nice. <laughs> it's two clips played back to back. I know, I know, but I'm like, I didn't even know about the second clip. I'm like, yeah, hey, all right. Oh, you don't remember that one? No. Well, you are. Always looking for Wang. Well, we all know. I'm fat. I'm trying to find my own. I'm a homosexual. <laughs> anyway, uh, police arrested. Well, yeah, I don't even know. Uh, probably public in D.C. would be one charge. Well, if you're flinging bodily fluids at somebody, yeah. that is got a malicious intent already kind of thrown behind that. Oh, yeah. Where you could be trying to knowingly infect them with something. Um, I can't remember exactly how it, like, what the charge is, but it's like an attempted, I can't remember exactly what it is, but like, when a prison guard gets something thrown at them from an inmate, whether it's urine yeah. or something like that, like, it's almost like an attempted murder charge. Oh, wow. Like, it's really severe. So, Ugh. even if you're a civilian doing that in public, like, you can't throw your own bodily fluids at no, people. You just that, can't do that. That's bad. I mean, and bodily solids waste, I mean. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you can do it, but you better make sure that they request it. <laughs> <laughs> you need and under a safety of a glass table. Well, I mean that's that's all in the eye of the, the shitter. The shitty, <laughs> the you know. shitty shitter. Yeah. The shitty shitter. The shitite. <laughs> uh, uh, Tim the Horton and the deliverer. Tim Hortons did release a statement on this, which may shed some light on why she did it. "Quote: In a limited cases across the country, restaurants have a restricted access policy for restrooms to ensure the well-being of our guests." Circle jerk," said Tim Hortons in a written statement. "Ooh, is that me getting a metal rod shoved up my rectum?" Yes. Uh, our <laughs> current understanding 
saying is that the, the team member used their discretion in this case and denied access to the get this guest based on past behavior and out of concern for immediate safety of team members and guests in the restaurant. Wow. Statement read. So apparently, uh, uh, the matters uh, escalated and staff called police. So obviously, she uh, nature called and she it, had to answer. Yes, and, my uh, HPV will cure what ails you. Oh God, is what she screamed whenever <laughs> she started tossing it. <laughs> Oh, man. And other horse sex news. Oh, we do have horse sex news? We don't have any horse sex news, but I could. I have another story already to go. It always comes back to dick. That's what we're hoping, Vanessa. This, Thank you. This one won't, but thanks, Vanessa. Thank you. Listen, man, all you need is vodka and cigarettes, and the pounds will just come right off. That's still solid advice. I don't know why people <laughs> don't listen to that. Yeah, not eating tends to do that to you. Yeah, right. All right, this one comes from Villa. Good. You but, did just first but, name this yes. time. Yeah. Uh, woman born without vagina gets one made from a tilapia fish skin. Vagina smells like dead body. This is from the New York Post. A Brazilian woman born without a vagina has become the first uh, in the world to undergo pioneering reconstructive surgery that successfully created a new vaginal canal. Afraid of vaginas? You you probably would be of this one. Using the skin of a tilapia fish. A girl gets terrified enough. The only thing that's going to solve that is a cock. (laughs) Play that one again. A girl gets terrified enough. The only thing that's going to solve that is a cock. Good God almighty. All right. Jesus, man. (laughs) What? <laughs> I fail to see what's wrong with that. Okay. Why um, is that the thing that throws you off so bad? I don't know. That's, that's not even the worst thing I've got of me saying clip or clips. This sounds bad. Researchers at the Federal University of Sierra, UFC, in Northeast Brazil, led by gynecologist Dr. Leonardo Bezerra, revealed that unprecedented procedure called a holy fuck. No, I'm not pronouncing that. That's that or they just had a bukkake mouth part. Possibly. For the procedure? A neo-vaginoplasty was perf- neo-vaginoplasty. Yeah, yeah. neo-vaginoplasty. Uh, yeah, there you go. Was performed on Juscelina Marino, 23, in April 2017. Gotta love a girl who can take a punch. The unorthodox treatment is faster, cheaper, and less aggressive than the conventional method used for sufferers of Meyer, Rokensky, Kuster, Houster, Jesus, M R K H. Thanks for the fucking abbreviation after the fucking word news article. Shoot some fucking ropes. Exactly. A rare congenital disorder that affects approximately 1 in 5,000 newborn girls and results in the absence of some or all of the female reproductive organs. Okay, I'm a little confused here. I'm just trying to clarify. Yeah. Was she born without anything or just a vaginal canal? Do they say it in there at any way at any point? Um, it does not yet. Because as we all know, the various parts of the female anatomy, the vagina is just the opening with which things can be inserted for pleasure and or procreation. Yes. Hopefully for the former and not the latter. Whatever your floats your boat, sure. And also very consensually, whatever you're putting in there. Of course. But there's also the vulva, which is the proper part, the outside. Yeah. So it is possible for her to have like everything else but that opening that just never grew in, so maybe they had to create that. Or are, are we looking at like a Marilyn Manson Barbie doll type situation where there's just nothing there? And I'm talking about all mechanical animals on the front cover that yeah. I'm referencing where it's just... I'm going to keep reading. We're going to find out. <laughs> uh, I'm intrigued. Like, I, yeah, I, I want to see before and after photos now and jerk off to them. Oh. <laughs> the cock wants what the cock wants. <laughs> it's fair. <laughs> and that's a clip. <laughs> 
The revolutionary treatment involves opening a space between the vagina and the anus and inserting a tubular mold lined with the skin of the freshwater fish. Afraid of vaginas? Once in contact with the patient's body, tilapia skin acts like stem cells and is absorbed to transformed cellular tissue, forming the walls of the canal similar to that of an actual vagina. That is implied 13-year-old bush. Before being used, the fresh skin undergoes a special cleaning and sterilization process in the lab followed by e-radiation to kill viruses. If you want a fear boner. The process removes all the scales <laughs> and fish smell. We're not touching that one. We're not going there. Come on, dude. A little, <laughs> little fucking decorum here. It results in Come like, on, man. I'm going. Just get your shit together. Just stop. <laughs> don't look at me. I can't. I gotta make sure you don't fucking do it because I see it in your eyes. Fishy. <laughs> don't, dude. Seriously. Knock it the fuck off. I mean, it's a bit fishy. What's going oh, on, dude, isn't it? I'm, I'm really disappointed in you right now. I'm really fucking just let, let's just finish the news and have like a little bit of fucking decorum. At least it wasn't Tuda. Oh, Jesus Christ. I'm so ashamed of you right now. <laughs> I'm just so fucking ashamed of you right now. <laughs> anyway, before being used, the skin undergoes a special clean. Oh, uh, yeah, I did that. The process removes all this, uh, oh, the, the fish smell. Yeah, and results in a... <laughs> I can't do that. I just story. I just can't do it, dude. This is breaking my brain. <laughs> Every time you read that part of the article. <laughs> Countdown to Bukaki. Thank you. Thanks, Jeff. Thanks, Jeff. It results in a light-colored gel dressing that can be stored for up to two years in refrigerated Wait, what? sterile packaging. What? What is it? Sterile gel? I'm <laughs> lost now. This is the. This is all the fish scales before it's entered into the female uh, oh, area, so okay, that okay. they have to store it for a few years. Apparently. I know they're using it on burn victims and stuff because it does act like that, and yeah. you know it, it takes the place of other skin cells. But like, this is just. <laughs> this story was just meant to be oh, read by us. Yeah, it really was. <laughs> I'm like no longer disappointed in you because I'm losing my shit when you make that reference now too. An ecstatic bar Marin Ho spoke for the first time uh, to focus wo- focus on news uh, about how the groundbreaking surgery has changed her life and made her feel like a proper woman. I have now, the most confused direction right now. It's not confused. Who now enjoys a healthy sex life? Always looking for Wang. A young university <laughs> student from Lavar's Day. I'm not even pronouncing that. Was diagnosed in her teens. With this whole article has been. I can't fucking pronounce. <laughs> Uh, fuck you. Fuck that. I'm no professional newsman. <laughs> uh, that much is clear. <laughs> her teeth with having no cervix, uterus, ovaries, or womb. So there you go. Okay, so she didn't have any of those parts, so she, she had must not have had parts. the opening altogether. Yeah. So, however, the, to the doctor's surprise, she developed normally throughout puberty and even experienced menstrual cramping pains in her stomach, but never had a period. At the age of 15, she was given the crushing news there's nothing but connective tissue behind the skin blocking the opening of her vagina. Oh. Oh, okay, so she must have had the vulva part, you know, yeah. the, the outer area. And then once you get, you know, a little further in, there's like nothing. I really wish there was a camera in here because, oh my God. <laughs> I don't know if you noticed, but my other hand was acting like it was, it was pinching <laughs> the top. I know. Anytime, I, I saw your move. Anytime I picture a vagina, I automatically go into my moves with it. <laughs> What I'm trying to describe it. Contact. I'm acting like I'm pulling the knife. You put a knuckle deep. Well, I think that's about all the further you can get because this so opening because was close. That's what I was trying to describe. 
If I believed in hell, I think we're going there after this. <laughs> this poor girl deserves better than this. She really does. She does. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I just want you to have a happy life. We're gonna we're gonna end this. She's fine now. Everything's great. She's enjoying a happy sex life, and I'm ending the story because it goes on forever. And wait, she's enjoying a happy sex life. Always yeah. looking for Wang. Yeah, that's what she's doing now. If she's into that. If she's into Wang. <laughs> Bless oh. you, lady. I'm glad you have a happy life. Thank you, lady. Uh, I, I hope life I'm gonna is send you, you a now. gift basket. Why's it gotta be a basket, Matt? <laughs> While Matt gets his shit back together, we're gonna take one last break here. We're gonna play a promo for another podcast. We'll have a little bit of music, and when we come back, we will close out this weird show. Hello, this is the Doom Show. Keep on keeping on and keep on trucking, America. We don't listen to our feedback because we don't get any. <laughs> the truth hurts. I just alienated the two people that give us constant feedback. Sorry, guys. That's got to go. <laughs> That's got to go in there. So on the show, uh, we talk about giallo movies and slasher movies and cult movies. Sometimes we even talk about Cameron Mitchell and his movies. I am Richard. Who are you? I am Brad, the guy that's not Richard or Jeffrey or Simon. That's right. We have four people and we always talk at once, except to each other. Jeffrey lives up north. Simon lives across the world. Richard lives in Penis, Alabama. Hello, This is the Doom Show is a proud member of the Legion Podcast Network. Check out the other shows on legionpodcast.com. You can check out more Hello, This is the Doom Show at hellodoomshow.podomatic.com or at doommoviethon.com. Check for our Amazon exclusive Hello, This is the Doom Show cookbook. Do you like hot dogs? (laughs) We got them. Do you like mac and cheese? We got it. Do you like cheddar? We have it. Actually, we don't. No, no cheddar. Just Colby. Colby Jack. Hello, this is the Doom Show. We never gave up on you Uh, because you never gave up on us. song is clearly not about either of us, Matt. Not at all. Because <laughs> we didn't never pay the cost to be the boss. No. And when you look at us, you definitely do not see a bad mother. No. You might see a bad father. I don't, yeah, well. When with one of us. Yeah, probably. <laughs> yeah. And one of us, you might see a bit of a psychopath. At this point, man, I don't know. All hope is lost. <laughs> I've gone bye-bye, Egon. <laughs> <laughs> I am super glad that we had the news to lighten the mood after all yes. of that, though. And I still feel very horrible for that girl, but congratulations on your new vagina clip. Yep. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> All right, folks, you can find us legionpodcast.com forward slash cinema dash psyops. You can join our Facebook group, Cinema Psyops, where you can post all sorts of crazy news, alternative photography having to do with the episodes. I don't know, alternative photography, what you think Matt might be doing in his spare time, whatever you got, it's in the group there. Yeah. But, you know, keep it above board, folks, because if you violate those terms, even if you're just posting an Onion article, yeah. they will ding you for that because that happened to me. Really? Yeah, I'm on a mini 24-hour ban because of an Onion article. What the fuck, man? And I tried to get them to review it, and they wouldn't even fucking go for it, fuck, so. Fuck you, Facebook. Fuck you, Fuckerberg. Yeah. <laughs> and your weird algorithms. Fucking shithead. If you'd like to find me on there until I get released from my mini Facebook jail, I am Court Styops. If you'd like to find Matt on there, he is Matt Psyop. If you found the plank that says brutal and looks all yellow and jaundicey, you've found Matt's actual face. That's what he looks like. That's my real picture. It's very progressive of your people to hire you where you work. Jesus. <laughs> What? Right. I'm just saying, somebody that looks like you, the board and everything. Yeah. I mean, I'm not a boardist or anything. You seem like a boardist. Yeah, would I be? <laughs> your border. <laughs> ah, fair enough. If you hate both of our jokes, you can email feedback to <laughs> Matt, Matt at gmail.com. Tell him to quit this show and join another podcast that you'd like to hear him on more because he's funny and you don't think he should be wasting time with Court. Damn, listen to you. You want to email feedback wow. to Court at cinemasyopscourt at gmail.com. Let him know that he sucks, you hate him, and you feel like he should just stop doing the show altogether because you can't stop listening to it. You really need to hire yourself for not recording <laughs> that first 30 minutes, man. I'm <laughs> never going to forgive myself. Yeah, I mean, you really should I let just that go. literally got over the time it happened with F13. Oh, Jesus, that was like over two years ago. I just literally got over it and it happened wow. again. You can twit a couple of tweets to a couple of twats, which feels really inappropriate after our PSYOP news to say. Oh. <laughs> I'm at court underscore PSYOP. deep twats? Mm, maybe. A couple knuckles. Yeah. I am at court underscore PSYOP and he is at PSYOP Matt. You can send us some pics of, I don't know, something cool. Yeah. I, I give up. I, I'm burnout. I got nothing. I know, man. I don't know. <laughs> Anymore. While you folks are out there trying to do your best listening to all of these wonderful podcasts, I'd like to thank you for downloading and listening to ours. Kick the fuck out of your week, folks, and make it your bitch. So you try hard, or you die hard. No one really gives a good damn. You try hard, and you die hard. No one gives a damn. There's a dime boy. Give me a shine, boy. Burning hot. It's micro penis time. <laughs> Great outtake. Offering to sign the shoes of an older white man. Sign the shoes? What is he That's famous? That he's gonna shine. sign. Shine. <laughs> shine. Hit that one again. Because uh, we did this. Uh, they don't know that we did this joke again. <laughs> I wonder if these jokes are falling as flat this on them a, as it is for us. <laughs> God, I hope so. <laughs> We deserve that. We deserve this. Don't worry. This is all going to get good here. All right, all right. I'm so sorry, Fred Williamson. You deserve uh, yeah, better than this. We done we, fucked up. We're sorry. We did the one thing you probably never did in your life. We forgot to push the red button. <laughs> wow. I don't know. I, don't, I guess. I'm just saying. <laughs> 
probably. It seems like if there's a red button need to be pressed, he probably pushed. Yes. Fuck old people. No. Only if they let you. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I don't know what he wants to say to that. All right, now the magic's back. Yeah, all right. <laughs> Let's stop recycling anyway. and trying to capture what we lost. I know. Jesus. Well, you know, it takes two to get laid unless you're, you know, flying solo. Are you saying it takes two to make a thing go right? It takes two to make it out of sight. <laughs> it clearly does. Yeah, of course. Yeah. All right. Sometimes it takes three. And if, you know, you're in a larger house, sometimes it can take 25 to make a thing go right. Ooh, yeah. Gonna need a lot of lube, like an industrial size container. You know what? You need more than just lube, though. You need air fresheners, because damn. <laughs> and a whole lot of plastic drop cloth that is rubberized. Yeah, because you, you can root a couch. <laughs> <laughs> that many people. But you're ruining like the whole the fucking carpet. Yeah. yeah. It's a wood floor though. Yeah. Uh, even, might ruin the finish. Even if it's like really sealed professionally. Yeah, like yeah. hospital grade floor that's been like hot waxed. Maybe. Oh my god, it might sound like a weird puddle. <laughs> <laughs> it, it takes 25 to make a thing go, oh boy. It makes 30 to make it go, oh no. <laughs> at some point an orgy just turns into too many people and a lot of people waiting around at the buffet. <laughs> By the way, who has a buffet and an orgy? Good God almighty. People that are as fat as us. <laughs> oh, and now let that vision go into your head. What, fat people orgy? Yeah. You're welcome. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> That's the quickest you've ever finished. <laughs> We're just saying it's bad. It's bad. It's not a good scene. <laughs> Bad stuff happens. Yeah, bad stuff happens. But we're not there yet. We're not there yet. But we're going to get there. Uh, as long as we're recording the time. Oh, we are. I've been checking five, six times. <laughs> Every time I pause for like a breath, yeah, I look over and make OCD. sure. OCD. 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 I want you to bang a girl and kill a that dude. That could be a time. dude killing a dude while in the background a guy and a girl are doing it. No, the guy who is, is doing, doing the girl with, has to yeah. kill the guy yeah, yeah, too. Yeah. That's multitasking. <laughs> well, yeah. yeah. Well, it does take two to make things go right. <laughs> it does take two to make it out of sight. <laughs> Wait, we actually recorded that one, so we're doing a callback. Yeah, now? We just did a callback. I feel right. like I'm in Inception. I can't remember <laughs> which can't recording remember we're in. We recorded what we did. <laughs> Me neither. And I like it. The level of confusion. I live my life in. <laughs> and it's not organized confusion made specifically to make you feel like you're dumber and hide the fact that there's no plot line to the movie either. Yeah, that's right. Like Inception. Like all of my posts and tell me that you love me. Please. Please do it, guys. He's I'm hanging on by a thread here, folks. It's not like a super bad hair or something. It's bad. No, I'm like a cunt hair away from a murder spree. <laughs> now, luckily for us, a Wonder Woman cut hair. So it's going to hold for a little while, but you really got to get those adulation. But it's not a very sturdy one. <laughs> it's one of the ones that had already been shed. <laughs> <laughs> Please do the notes. I'm trying, but now the visuals. The, the image I know. It's, it's all in there. She's dark hair too, so you know oh. you're going to find it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The one gray one. That doesn't necessarily mean it's weaker. No, it's just different. I don't even think you could run a fake church. You, you just hate organized religion so much. I don't think I would have a problem with it with the right kind of money coming in. <laughs> it's the constantly having to pretend like I believe that shit that would grate on me after a while. Yeah. If I could just step in and take over a church and start laundering money, I could probably do a problem. Yeah. I mean, you could get a jet. <laughs> Some of these guys on TV has like six jets and shit. I could probably do the televangelist route pretty easy. Yeah. You know? And then steal money from people that way. Like mm -hmm. an old level. Yeah. It's just getting there and getting just, people to believe right off the bat is the hard part. You might want to get those pictures down off the internet. <laughs> I don't know which pictures you're referring to, but it's pretty much any of them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So veiny. Human beings are a bunch of cunts. 
the cock wants what the cock wants.